0: This week's episode of This is Only a Test is made possible with support from Evident. Evident is revolutionizing the way personal data is shared. Their simple, secure platform lets businesses confidently know who they're dealing with without handling sensitive personal data. With connections to thousands of authoritative sources through a single API, Evident is the only platform that enables comprehensive, accurate, and up-to-date identity and credential verifications. Check out Evident at EvidentID.com test. And sign up and get started today. Again, that's evidenceid.com/slash test. Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, June 13th, 2019, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of tested.com.
1: Right. <laughs> Look at that fucking squirrel on my bird feeder
0: (laughs) And then, suddenly, the Enterprise D's bridge Bridge. Hello everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Silia Test As we are now in week three of Hari Watch What's Hari Watch? We don't know where Kishore is He's gone. He's, he's been. He's gone. Is you know, we last saw him at episode five hundred one. I have a yeah. feeling he's not back next week either. He, he watched <laughs> me play PUBG last night. I saw him. He was there. Did Kishore exist at all? You was think, he? Was he? a Taylor Imagination. Was he oh. never there? Maybe you Kishore was you listeners. this whole time, Norm. I know. We are all k- sweet quiche.
1: Sweet, I, I, sweet baby uh, maybe,
0: quiche. maybe no, no, no. Just sweet quiche. Uh, maybe. maybe Maybe he'll be back in eventually. There must be Is some it? scientific answer to this. Uh, yes.
1: Have you ever parallel had, dimensions? Have you ever had sweet quiche? I didn't know if that was a thing it that really existed. Good. Is it I a can't thing Good. No my my grandfather used to make a quiche, and he would just take whatever he found in the fridge. And one time he made it with berries and like fruit, and it was really really gross, like super duper bad. All right. Question answered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sweet- maybe somebody makes a good sweet. Well, quiche.
0: Google's still looking for a Q-titled name codename for the next version of android sweet baby quiche. And they are on cue so quince we, quince we, pie we propose quiche with in parentheses sweet yeah yeah we'll see if they go with that huh. anyway kishore uh take your time whatever it is who was it that's that that spited you who who, who do you have a grudge against you? it was probably gary yeah maybe
1: but gary's not coming back no, that's true he's but- not here what, um, well, you know, it was after the 200th episode that, that Gary stopped coming. So maybe after the 500th episode, Keish stops coming. Is that true? Yeah. Did he really rap at 200? He, 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 look, he, 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 got just, started, didn't, he just didn't show up. He started up one making day. Star Warses and was like, I, guys, I'm, I can't, I can't do it. And you keep asking me about Boba Fett movies. Mm, mm. Well, we had, uh, Zach here,
0: Zach Radding going in, we, and we had Steve Lynn, and now we have Will, which you know what that means.
1: A dubstep intro. I yes. told you if you yes. guys didn't play the fucking dubstep intro, yeah. I was going to charge you 10 times as I was, much I was my, say the my bottom fee of the barrel, was going to be, yeah. but,
0: you know, the end of the roll. Decks. Yeah, i uh, <laughs> look,
1: there's got to be somebody for next week, right?
0: You were trending on Twitter this morning again.
1: Yeah, uh, which one? Dodgers, uh, Dodgers exactly. former Giants relief pitcher. I think it is current Giants relief no, pitcher. No, he got traded to the Dodgers. Really? Yeah. Oh. He Oh man, he, tell me. He <laughs> what's had it, up in the Will Smith Relief. Let, let me tell you what's going on with Will Will, Will Smith. He <laughs> hit a walk-off home run to win the game. Maybe three weeks ago in like extra innings, two weeks ago in extra innings, I, my filters were not prepared for that. People were very excited. L.A. Mm-hmm. has embraced him in a way that San Francisco never did. Wow. Yeah. No. Is it a different Will, Will Smith?
0: Smith? The baseball pitcher is a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. Oh shit!
1: This must be Will Smith the catcher. <laughs> oh my god!
0: There can't be two baseball. <laughs> there are two players.
1: baseball Will Smiths.
0: Wow. Because them- Will Smith, the, the San Francisco Giants baseball pitcher, has <laughs> saved his like last like six games. He's made ninth innings less stressful for oh. giant, for baseball fans. Anyway, we're moving on. Yes, the Will Smith report was very
1: disappointing, but hopefully the rest of the podcast oh. won't be as well. <laughs> Good news: Will Smith, the catcher who played for the Dodgers a month ago, got demoted to Triple A, oh. even after his walk-off home run. There can only be one.
0: It turns out, yeah.
1: Jeremy, how are you doing? Not well. I know. I don't know why I'm here. I said I'm too sick.
2: You said you must come in. What's eat three? You Wait. will be here. You will be here. And so you're I, sick I'm here. I'm. Yeah, I'm sick. You didn't tell me that. I wouldn't have come if you were sick. That's why I didn't tell you. God, <laughs> he's on the men, which means so. he's no longer contagious. I am running sound and i'll be doing very little else continue
0: well, you, well when we get to vr i'm sure you have input what a team player I, I would like your input as well that's why you're here <sighs> you're a talker
1: it's true <laughs> i can you need some airfield i'm your man <laughs>
0: Let's see uh, how hot we can get this room. It is very, if you, for those of you who don't know, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area this week, we have one of our rare hot temperature weeks where oh. everyone in the city is looking for, uh, an air conditioner, a portable air conditioner. And restaurants are not dealing with it well because no. most of them do not have air conditioners, no. uh, in, in the Bay Area because we have natural, we typically have natural cooling from being a peninsula, from being surrounded by the water. Uh, instead, we are reaching highs of get this, 84
1: degrees. No, dude, it's way hotter than that. About, like, it was 110 in my backyard yesterday. Yeah, it was in 90, the shade. 98 in my, really? my yes. house in, in Glen oh, Park. Goodness. Yes, the inside of my house was 92 degrees yesterday afternoon. That's not good. It I was, shouldn't have left my family. No, no. This is the end. No, These go, are the end times, man. I've been wearing shorts for the past three days. And I, I, I got to tell
2: you,
0: prior to Monday, I didn't know where my shorts were. <laughs> I have been wearing <laughs> pants. Home Depot just, it's, had nine uh, air, air, uh, portable air conditioning units yeah i'll tell you this i put an order in for home depot for pickup that day
1: you should have just they, gone right they there canceled my order yeah, because they were all taken by the time the stock person hey Norm, I have a, had a chance to allocate so i have a window air conditioner that i bought last summer how much what, is it worth to me yeah what's what, what, what's what what's the comfort of my child worth to yeah me? it's you know your child you have to think about this we're sleeping in the basement Really? Yeah, we the past two nights we've been in the basement because it's cooler there. I thought about putting up a tent in the backyard yesterday because it cools down after dark, and yeah. the house, like the walls of my house, were still eighty-five degrees according to the oh laser thermometer. God. All right, enough griping about the weather. Ugh. Let's get on
0: to everyone's feeling let's terrible gripe about everything else. Yeah, let, let's get to the real news. story this week why did you abandon your family norm you might ask well i was away for the day yesterday down in los angeles for the e the three the, the electronic, electronic entertainment expo entertainment expo you fought the electronic three i did yeah uh that's in los angeles happening right now still happening right now it's been going on all week we went just for the day to film some
1: pieces did you do any bits in the bathroom no bits in the bathroom oh, i'm not no, no
0: no no i'm not on twitch anyway so okay I'm, you're, I'm you're good. clear but youtube good. Would probably
1: ban you for that too Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did a video ba- bathroom. You should take that video bathroom video we, we did. never down. did a bathroom video. Yeah, we did. No, I went into the the airport in no- Knoxville, Tennessee at three o'clock in the morning with Google Glass to show people. That oh yeah, you that can't... Video is long gone. Oh, you got rid of it? Long gone. Okay, that's probably best. Yeah, better make sure. I double check. Okay, finish yeah. the fight. I'll tell you this: Bethesda
0: softest floors. Really, they have the best carpet. <sighs> carpet watch was in like full, nice, full thick padding.
1: Real nice. How were the games? Games were okay. Okay. Collectibles are okay. Yeah. Real nice card. Bethesda has a Battle Royale in Fallout 76 and Doom. They have Doom. And Wolfenstein Wolfenstein. III. Mm-hmm. Doom looks pretty good.
0: Doom looks great. Uh, Anyway, lots of news from E3. Um, We're not going to talk about, get up front, are the VR news from E3, of which there was a lot this year as well. We're going to save that for the end of the show. For the VR Minute, kind of extended segment there. There's going to be a lot of VR stuff. To We're going talk to talk about.
1: about a bunch of nonsense between now and then. So you guys don't go away. Don't go away. Don't we'll go skip away. forward. We'll but, know. But, but, but
0: the big companies, of course, uh, Sony did not have a presence at what? E3. No, they did everything. Are they not making games anymore? While they don't. No, they did. Sta- they have their own thing. State of play. Why? Why? why oh, wow. So they, they did all their poorly. announcements. Uh, but the big two hardware companies, console companies, both Microsoft and Nintendo did have press conferences Nintendo Direct seems to have blown everyone away but let's start with Microsoft first yeah mm. um, big M Xbox so uh, the big news that's hardware right yeah they announced that and probably they needed to do this because Sony had already talked a lot about impending ps5 tech and done these leaked interviews and and, mm-hmm. and, and the kind of nebulous announcements and about uh, you know the graphical capabilities the loading times and it feels like Microsoft with the Obviously, they've been working on a next-gen console. The big question, this being kind of a quiet year between console hardware releases, is what is what what are they been investing in? When you're talking about a next-gen hardware console, if you're going to get people to spend a couple hundred dollars on something in the living room, you know, is physical media going away? That's a big question, not answered. You know, uh, going into the chipset chipset stuff, it sounds like they're all going to be using AMD-based graphics, which they have been doing in the past as well. And it sounds like they're pushing things like ray tracing. But it also sounds like the big technology they're all banking on as a big improvement where they're putting the money in is in storage speeds, load times. And everyone's talking about how both for PS5 and for Microsoft is currently calling Project Scarlet, load times
1: will be a thing of the past. You know, as a gamer, as a core gamer, I really feel like the greatest enemy I have isn't the Strog or, you know, Codalcon. It's load times norm. I mean, if you're talking about it load
0: for me it feels like this is them if this is the only way they can survive in a world that's uh, slowly moving to streaming gaming. You know, we'll talk about Google Stadia in a little bit, but load times are unacceptable. Like Thirty-second load times for people who want immediacy in their in their AAA games, uh, and especially for people who are streaming stuff like that—that that
1: is just not working. Well, so so the, I mean, if you're streaming games from the internet, there should be no load times because yeah. the internet should be faster. Yes. The the thing that you'll see is that the disk access speed on old 5400 rpm mobile hard drives <coughs> from ten years ago is that is that it limits the speed at which your games can move. So, like, Sp- they did, Sony did a good demo with Spider-Man where they showed, here's how fast Sp- Spider-Man moves at this speed because that's how fast it can load in from the disc. The world And, and also,
0: the, the developers, because streaming levels and stuff, that streaming tech has been in consoles for a long time. I think, like,
1: I want to say it was and, the first time. 360, PS3 yeah. was the first time I remember seeing right. it. Right. And
0: the 360 stuff, you could tell when when you enter new environments, like the geometry would pop in, all the, the extra post processing with the. Or the, they'd the, do like a comically long elevator ride in Mass Effect, something exactly. stuff like that. And uh, developers have optimized a lot of that in modern generation games where the cutscenes would hide the load times and they would reduce geometry in places where they didn't need to show like behind the character and swing spider-man so like the the big building would obscure the background where they can then take away all the geometry and then add geometry where he would be swinging into next uh developers just are going to maybe have more versatility on a big especially big open world games with uh with the next gen consoles
1: and and at the same time ssd prices have never been cheaper you can buy an intel SSD from from Amazon for a hundred bucks a terabyte now, and it it, it's because the 3D NAND flash is much more dense and much less expensive. Yeah, fast travel will actually be
0: fast. Yeah, hopefully, because fast travel is the thing that takes load time. If you play like a game like Red Dead, you know you can go through the world back and forth. A lot of load time. Yeah, Uh, there's no load time if you're just going on horseback because it's relatively slow. But if you do fast travel, it's a lot of load time. You die and need to to load a save point. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of exactly. Of time. Um, other things that we expect from Project Scarlett uh, will support 8K gaming.
1: I'll, I'll I don't let know me, if that's.
0: Let me just... By end of 2020, how are we going to uh, put on our um, Nostradamus hats? Is 8K gaming going to matter at the uh, end of 2020,
1: holiday 2020? No, but it will by the time these consoles are gone. I, I mean, are there even is there even a display standard that will let you st- connect? 8k now is it like displayport 2 or 1.5 or whatever the most current one i think supported? by the time yeah but yeah, yeah. I, I think by the time I,
0: these are out and and maybe at lower frame rates so you oh. would not get something like
1: that's 90 or 120 fps yeah like that
0: but it's needed right those number of pixels push of those high frame rates or some especially something that's needed for vr and so while they didn't explicitly
1: say vr you're still holding out that. hope that microsoft's gonna do vr i'm holding out hope man i love that optimism norm why not i don't think that they care i don't think they think the market's there i, I mean if you that look at it innovative. if you look at what microsoft's do- doing overall like they're launching the streaming service which i'm sure we'll talk about yep. in a, i mean it's cloud yeah so the idea is that you can if you have an xbox one you can stream your entire xbox library and all the game pass games that you pay for it as well uh anywhere to your phone or or console or presumably other set top boxes or mm. even other platforms like switch yep and like Microsoft seems to want to go mass and I don't think VR is mass right now. Mm. I'm still holding out hope. I mean I, 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 and I think that they yeah. are
0: giving themselves room to to have that option with how they've designed this console
1: with the throughput with the number of pixels they can push. Yeah. And the nice thing is with a with like a modern Windows MR headset that's just a USB-C connector, all they have to do is put a USB-C port on the front of the console to to be able to plug in Windows MR headsets.
0: Yeah. Um so uh it will also do, if you're not playing on 8K, you will also be able to do 4K up to 120 FPS. So this is something that we don't know, again, if that matters yet because what TVs... Can TVs 4K 120 right now? No. I don't think so. Uh, most of them are 4K 60s, so, I So 4K 120, if like if I had a choice between 4K 120 or 8K 60, 8K 30, uh, I might want to go for 4K 4K 120. Uh, and, of course, ray tracing is something that uh, everyone's been talking about. And that's where I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. Well, because you, I saw on your Twitch stream, you were playing uh, Quake RTX
1: lately. I played almost all of Quake 2 RTX last Thursday. Quake 2. That's yeah, right. Yeah, Quake 2. Uh, so, NVIDIA said, uh, they saw me tweet that I was excited about Quake 2 RTX. And they said, hey, you don't have a card. Do you want to stream some? And we'll send you a card that will play it. So, they sent me a card, which was very nice. Uh, full disclosure. Um yeah, it's really it was it's stunning. Like it's one of those things that like you're playing in what is an ancient game. I think Quake 2 came out in 1997. Um but it worked stunning. It, I was blown away. Like it's amazing the the RTX port that they made. You have the ability to map the sun position to a, a thumbstick on your gamepad so you can move the lights around. So you can move the sun around the world light around. Um doing things like firing the flare, firing uh the hyperblaster, firing um, anything that produces light, rocket launch or anything like that, like and seeing the light happen, seeing the shadows happen naturally and knowing that it's happening because they're actually mimicking the way light works, not using any of the millions of different hacks and approximations that we've come up with over the last 20 years is is like, it's, I mean, it's magic, right? Uh, like, it's something I didn't think we would see for a fairly long time. And I, I re- distinctly remember talking to Tony Tomasi, who's the chief uh, technical marketing guy at at Nvidia. He basically explains the scary stuff for normal people. Um, did it watching your stream? I, I watched a little bit of it. It did not look as good as their trailer. Why did you think that was? Or did you feel that way? I um so watching it moving, I felt it looked pretty good. Like on on the screen, it looks really good. I I mean, do you think some of that loss was lost because of streaming? Well, on the, I mean, definitely the streaming, streaming at 1080p, sixty six megabits, whatever, whatever Twitch, so, you know, I stream at whatever Twitch allows you to stream, and and there was definitely some bitrate loss there. Um, I was also playing at, no, I was playing at about 1080. I was playing at 1440, but scaled down to 1080 internal resolution on a on a 2080 Ti. So upscale, or uh, you're it, upscaled. Or I you, was downscaling, but in the
0: engine, you're super sampling for aliasing purposes.
1: No, I was super sampling for performance purposes, in order to hit 60 frames a second. Oh, I'm 10, sorry, you were running, running, running at 1080. 1080 in the engine, but upscaled to 1440 for how you were seeing it. I was upscaled at 1440 because of the way my capture setup right. works. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, so yeah, like it, it worked. Um, it worked much better than I expected, and it, it's it makes me want to play games that people that that utilize that lighting technology because there's a bunch of neat like if if you can do like imagine like a tomb raider puzzle where the light like the indiana jones thing where the, where you have to get get the light in exactly the right place to with some mirrors and stuff and the light's actually behaving the way it is rather than just a scripted event which would seems really cool it it was it was i was i was really blown away also the back half of quake 2 is really boring the first, I don't like, think I have ever, like, remember what the back... I, I, maybe I've played it through once, but it's really the first couple maps that went over and over again. So, yeah, Quake 2 is the one where they introduced hub worlds, where you had to kind of go out and get, collect something in a side world and then go back in and use it in the hub world, or maybe even one of the other side worlds, and you end up just... Like, by the end, you're backtracking, like, 16 times to get through the level. So I just, I skipped right to the end.
2: When they first uh, unveiled the RTX stuff, they showed off some neat tech demos of reflections in Call of Duty or something. Yeah. And fire, you'd be able to see fire around the corner and things like that, but... That didn't intrigue me as much as the Quake 2 demo did, because in Quake 2, it's like all the lighting is done with ray tracing. Everything, yeah. Do you think that they can't do that with newer games because of the complexity? or
1: Almost certainly, yeah. I mean, if you look at, Quake 2 was designed to run on like a Voodoo 1 card, right, in, yeah. in hardware acceleration. So they have a limited number of lights. Um, and, and that's, like, so, so just to put it in perspective, how what, what an achievement this is the quake 2 lighting if you ran the lighting the light map generator um, a light map is kind of a texture that tells the world it goes through and mimics the light but it does it not in real time so you would run a quake 2 light map generator on one of those quake 2 maps and it would run for you know multiple hours 15 20 hours in some cases even for a relatively simple map um, and the more light sources you added the more time that took so that was one of the gates for their performance like id at the time i remember built a big multi multi compute cluster where they could run, this might have been for Quake 3, but they built it so that they could run the, the client and divvy it out across all of the computers in the office so that like when they left at the end of the day, they would run a light map for a new level and then they could test it in the morning when they got back. The fact that this is happening, that same work is happening in real time and at a better quality level is really neat. And it means things like self-shadowing your character happen automatically. Or like if the light source is behind you, your character generates the same kind of fuzzy, real-looking shadow that the rest of the world does. Um and re- so, refractions so happen too. refractions way. happen in the water. Reflections happen in the water. Um, you see, uh, it, yeah. I mean, it, things behave more like you expect them to. Uh, so they said, Nvidia said they didn't cheat the the um, the trailer. The trailer. It was rendered in real time. Um, I think that they were probably just careful, like more careful than a person. Just playing the game would be to make sure that they got places that are interesting and look good Choosing the the right scenes and they set up the lighting for the world at the time now I mean there's also a conversation here to be had about artist intent because what they did Absolutely changes the what? lighting design that, that the people it did spent a lot of time getting right and to, to evoke the kind of feelings That they wanted in that game, and it's it, you know, it's not like a it's it's at the end of the day It's still quake right you're just running around shooting stuff but you know that's a game that had a lot of kind of gameplay innovations it had np there were npcs that you probably weren't supposed to shoot um they the the ai dodged when pe- when you shot at it like it's it was kind of surprising to me how well lots of that game held up yeah and and i later. i think
0: a part of it was watching was like this is how it looks like in my head a little bit like this is how i remembered it even though it looks so much better than you know the 800-600 resolution that was playing it back in the day. Yeah,
1: I, I distinctly remember loading that game up the first time in nineteen ninety seven, being like, "Holy shit, the lights have colors!" Well, that's if you had graphic acceleration. Well, if you yeah. it, remember, it looked so much. That was the I think the first game
0: I played with graphics probably acceleration. built in. Yeah, yeah, because that came out before Half Life, right? Oh yes, yeah. Half Life uh, was It Was a derivative of that engine of the Quake two engine, yeah. and Quake one did have uh, OpenGL, GL Quake, well, but that wasn't built in. And yeah. Quake 2, uh,
1: I think back then it was like a Riva 128 card they had, and that just changed it, everything. Yeah. So those those engines, uh, Half Life and Sin, and those guys were built off of a fork that was midway through Quake 2's development, is my understanding. Hmm. All right. Um, back anyway, to E3, yeah, Microsoft yeah. News. Uh, other things, X Cloud is uh, launching this October. H- HDMI 2.1 will support 8K60, just so, FYI. So there the, you the, go. Like, the technology there has just not been implemented anything yet.
0: And uh, this is uh, a way to. It's a, it's a streaming service, right? A streaming platform. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how this works. Where Phil Spencer says you can turn your Xbox One into your own personal and free X Cloud server. Well, there's so you two, can already th- two do different things.
1: There's, yeah.
2: There's, there's their cloud based, basically Microsoft Stadia. And then there's also, you can basically have your own game streaming server that you don't have to pay for
1: if you have, but remotely an Xbox. not local. Yeah, uh, running on Azure probably. It's not. It's not presumably
0: so. Uh, but I'm uh, like not like what Steam Link does, where you can stream from your Steam yes. Link. That's it'll stream from your Xbox. But right, right, both. But, but I'm saying two, uh, two over LAN or yeah. over remote. Oh, I think over, over remote. remote. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so you, it basically Plex. So the PS4 for video games. PS Now stuff works really well, uh, remote if you, on my fiber connection. Like I, mm. I I've been able to play PS4 games someplace with a decent. Uh, decent connection not in my house um, so like that that technology is interesting and good I think the more interesting thing is their cloud service is the fact that they're doing a cloud service because that presumably gives them the ability to like roll out Xbox 4 or whatever which, are, which is this the fourth one whatever they're going to call it Project Scarlet Project Games Scarlet. early right. to like what if I could play the Project Scarlet version of Halo, Halo no, whatever the next they, one is? No, they wouldn't do that because they want you to buy the Project Scarlet to, to play it do as a they? title. Yeah. Well, then why are they putting the streaming service on Switch and all the other places if they want to move hardware? Well, Like, they're behaving in a very, a very odd way. Maybe it's... Uh, well, the streaming service is a no-brainer
0: for them to do because it takes advantage of their big business right now, which is the cloud stuff, the right. Azure stuff. Right. And, and so, that is and, and it's hedging. Right, it's hedging on hardware development and also on the cloud stuff. Well, because the cloud streaming stuff, you know, judging by the response from Project Stadia, could all be, could all be a failure. It's, or maybe it's well, only very successful in certain parts of the world or certain parts of the U.S. where the bandwidth infrastructure is in place. Well, and with the right
1: games. So, yeah, it has to be the right games. Uh, one of, a developer friend at GDC, was, we were talking about Stadia, he was like, look, if it doesn't cost me that much more to develop for, but it opens up my audience... Makes, makes the potential audience for my game 10 times bigger, then it's a no-brainer assuming people are buying games on that platform. And this is the same same type of situation. yeah But it looks like you have to have an Xbox One to use this in 2019, um, similar to the Stadia Sitch.
0: So other news from Microsoft, uh, content-wise, Halo Infinite, so that is the next Halo game, announced they had in-game footage, it won't be out till next year, and it will be a Project
1: Scarlet launch title. Presumably it will also be cross-platform on Xbox One. I think everything is going to be, it looks like everything's going to be backwards compatible from last generation to this generation.
0: Well, I know that for Project Scarlet, they're going to want to be able to play all Xbox One games, but are the launch titles going to be, like in previous generations, you know, straddling the generation? Is
1: Microsoft going to make their Mario 64 play on the old console? I don't think so. Well, Breath of the Wild did it. That's true, right? And Wii U, Breath of the Wild. But Nintendo was also in a situation where they had nothing to lose with the Wii U moving to Switch, right? I mean, Microsoft's not in a much better spot, I guess.
0: I guess it's it's, it's Halo has a huge following, yeah. and people who are Halo fans are probably Microsoft fans are probably going to buy um, Scarlet, and they, this could be a thing. I mean, I, I think. Do, are they more invested in the money they make from Halo Infinite or in Project Scarlet having a platform. successful launch? 100% platform. 100%. So then I, I can imagine this being exclusive. But I'm not sure. Maybe they talked about it since E3, but from what I know, I, I don't know if it's uh, going to be cross-platform. <laughs> uh, Gears 5 is going to be out this year, September 10th. Uh, other games, oh, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Microsoft Flight Simulator. Oh, that's actually cool. What, they're bringing it back? Yeah, for PC. It's like their
2: big PC reveal.
0: And it is It is a big piece. Wow. You know, I remember there were the E3 that was in Santa Monica. Um, They had, what was their big initiative? Games on Windows? Games for Windows Live. Games for Windows. Games, for Windows. games yeah. for Windows Live. And their Talk big to PC, Dean,
1: um, their big PC Dean thing Lester. was
0: Viva Piñata on PC. was a big PC yeah, announcement. a really at, game. Well, it was a little bit sad at the Microsoft Press Conference back in 2008. Seven, I, whatever that was. I
1: mean, the flight sim world is in pretty good shape. It seems like there's a couple of well-supported platforms, and but you haven't seen the trailer for this, have it you? Looks so oh. It looks so
0: good. It really
2: looks good. Does
1: it, it look like amazing. real terrain and stuff, or is it like, like just yeah, green oh, tiles? They,
0: they flew these planes so low in a way that most people would probably not want to fly their planes, like right by the side of buildings, just to show how good the geometry and oh, the wow. satellite data is. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're touting all this stuff is data that's processed from their Azure Cloud stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe some some that's streaming. I don't know. Yeah. Some, of that, some, some of that I would assume that has to
1: be streaming because it's an enormous... Like, there's, those, those are exabytes of data at this point. Yeah, so the question is VR
0: support. We don't know. Everyone's right. hoping for it. it would be really cool. Uh, but Flight Sim fans... Um, I'd actually like to hear Flight Sim fans' take on it because some people were very... Uh, critical of the direction of Flight Simulator and you know they want to go more hardcore and support for more controllers and not, uh, quote-unquote, dumbing it down a bit. Um, So based on what Microsoft has shown so far, are they excited or not? I'd love to Uh, to know.
1: They also rolled out Game Pass for PC. So right now they've had Game Pass for Xbox with some PC games on for a long time. The number of PC games that were supported was relatively low. Um, This lets you do, I think it's five bucks a month for... Uh, just PC games on Game Pass, and and uh, it seemed like a pretty good price because you get stuff like Forza Horizon Four and State of Decay and uh, Sea of Thieves and, Is and things it the, like that.
2: The kind of thing where the as long as you remain a member, you keep all the
1: games that you've accrued. It's you keep whatever games are on. It's like Netflix, so you keep whatever games are on the platform. I don't think they've taken anything off so far. No, oh, okay. but I don't know. Okay. Um, they also unified Xbox Live and Game Pass. If you want, so for fifteen bucks a month. You can get all Game Pass and Xbox Live if you're primarily an Xbox gamer and you need access to Live still. Hmm. I think yeah. I'm going to let my Live account lapse, lapse for the first time in a yeah, decade. what are you doing? And see if these is the last thing people really. But want I played on PC, so I don't need it. Huh? Yeah, you, don't, you Wait, you if don't you're playing play... if you're playing Xbox games on PC, you don't have to have Xbox Live to play multiplayer because they can't charge they can't charge you to play multiplayer yeah, on PC on PC. Right. Yeah. Right. You just don't get your. Gamer Score, yeah, you still get Gamer Score. You still get Gamer Score. they get Gamer <laughs> Score. Oh wow, okay. Anything in the Microsoft Store,
0: you can get Gamer Score on. Nice, I think. yeah. Get your chivos. Uh, Microsoft also announced. I guess Double Fine. Tim Schafer announced that Double Fine has been acquired by Microsoft. Yeah. One
1: of the last big indies. They so, they are huge indie. I mean, they're like they're they're eighty person studio. Last time I was over there, that's a lot of people. That's still. A, yeah, that's, that's a
0: big indie, but I guess yeah. that still
1: qualifies as an indie, which blows my mind. I mean, Bungie's an indie now. They're in 350 they have, people. They're not owned by anybody. They're owned by that's, no man. That's not a very... Hmm. I don't but know. Telltale was a, was another one of the big indies, and we know, I mean, they just went the way of the dodo. Independently supported in indie, I think, mean different things for different people. Maybe. Like privately
0: owned and, and indie in a more colloquial sense. Well like when I think indie I think Campo Santo. Yes, I think yeah. under under 40 people um, making one small game or you know like a, a 10 person team as opposed to established development. Well
1: th- I mean that's why Double Fine was the big indie, right? They had they had multiple teams running on multiple games and they did some contract stuff, they did some stuff of their own and crowd funded stuff. They did crowdfunded stuff. And yeah, I mean that's a hard that's a hard life. Yeah. So Microsoft has, you know, Ninja Theory.
0: They have Double Fine now. Double Fine uh, Tim Schafer did say that uh, was Psychonauts 2 which was supported by crowdfunding yep. will come out on all, all the platforms that they said it was going to. Yep. Yeah. So you still can get it on other other devices, but going forward, they're going to prioritize uh, Microsoft platforms first. Good for them. I, mean, I
2: say good for them. I mean, if this is what it takes to keep them
0: feeling confident and in business. Yeah. Great. The world is better with Double Fine in it. Exactly. You um, think that,
1: that allows them to take more creative risks or fewer creative risks? I think it lets them continue taking creative risks. Period. I think if, look, if you're a studio the size of Double Fine and you have th- two or three misses in a row, suddenly your financial solvency is not great. If anything,
2: their creative risks will just have more polish now. And, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, they their
1: budgets are something that they've struggled with,
2: and I, I think this will be good
1: for them. Yeah. Um Did Microsoft say whether they were going to continue putting day and date on Windows for Xbox titles going forward with Scarlet and Future Generations? I don't think so. It's interesting. I do not think so. Uh, Last thing, and this is not
0: a Microsoft exclusive, but it was at their press conference. Cyberpunk 2077. Hot dog. Has a release date, April 16th, 2020. Less than a year from now. And also announced a new star, Keanu Reeves. The year of Keanu. Did you meet him?
1: I, no, you why would I? I you met were him? at E3. I no. figured you met him. Yeah, he's there. You were there. Why didn't you make no. this happen, Jen? He, too breathtaking. <laughs> he's very breathtaking. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so he's he's in the game. There's a new gameplay trailer or cinematic trailer. It's not really a gameplay trailer. A uh, cinematic trailer. I I'm, uh, I'm very conflicted about this game. I love the aesthetics of it. I love what they're you know this kind of open world RPG in, 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 in Cyberpunk Noir, but it's not VR, and so I don't know if. Are you that? Invest. Are you that deep in the hole? Yeah, it's wow. very tough for me to load up a game that's not in VR. Wow, and, and spend a lot of time in it. You too. Right
2: I mean, I'm no, not about this. I'm not conflicted. This is the game I'm most looking forward to, but I so wish it were in VR, and I, I'm holding out hope that somebody figures it out. Huh. Okay. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's clearly a game that would be great in VR. It Would be so good. I mean, I, just, I mean, just at least the aesthetic. Who knows yeah. about the camera movements and the player controls, and if that would all work? I mean, it's a first-person
0: game, game. You have
1: like body augmentation. I mean, you need to figure out the controls. Yeah, but I just want to rip chips and and murder some people. God, it looks do so my, good. Do my do my you know? At the same time, though, I haven't really enjoyed any of their other RPGs. Well, maybe because of the setting. Maybe you don't That's like true. that fantasy setting. I like fantasy settings. Mm. I put hundreds of hours into Skyrim, twice. Mm.
0: Yeah. All right. So that was the Microsoft press conference, uh, Nintendo Direct. Okay a lot of stuff from Nintendo. No, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly. No hardware. Animal Crossing. Is that hardware?
1: No. No, but no hardware. No
0: Switch S, right? No, no.
1: This was the most boring presentation of any of them. What?
0: Yeah. Uh, the, whole, the whole Nintendo Direct thing?
1: I just I just was really? watching on Twitter. I was doing other stuff that uh. day.
0: And on, if you if you just followed on Twitter, it looked awesome. People were What it looked awesome? So, so okay. Breath of the Wild 2? Oh, well yeah. that was until the end, but yes. That was oh, a, so, you're saying, talking about the actual, like, the, 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 the mechanics, the, the, the rollout of the presentation, like the, the, uh, no, the look, personality of the, of the look, presentation. If, if
1: you want to critique the press conference, you have to do that live on <laughs> Twitch. You put the, the screen up behind you, and then you talk over it. And it's, uh, it's I'm uh, not critiquing it. I'm saying that they, just the games that were announced, now, all of the what titles. They it, 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 you were the one who was excited by it. Well, I, Animal Crossing and Breath of the Wild were
0: enough for me. Okay. Okay. So, Breath of the Wild 2, Animal Crossing. New characters for Smash. Uh, who is it? Is it uh, Banjo-Kazooie? Yes. sure. Banjo-Kazooie for mm-hmm.
1: Smash. New characters. Oh, Microsoft and, and Nintendo are real buddy-buddy again. Uh, they have uh, Luigi. New okay. Luigi game. Luigi's Mansion Man- 3. Man- 3. Man- 3. I'm excited yeah. about that. Oh. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that game.
0: And um, more gameplay and, and a release date for Link's Awakening Remaster. Yeah.
1: You got beef with Go- Gooigi? Jeremy
0: it didn't didn't turn me on I'm not planning to buy that game
1: do you not like Luigi? have you ever played a Luigi's Mansion I game remember before? Luigi's
2: Mansion like launched with the GameCube, GameCube yeah I, I remember seeing that at E3 for like for the first time and that it was like graphically interesting but I never played it oh they're no.
1: fun you liked it yeah there's a good arcade game they have a David Buster's you should check out mm. it's like a life-size version that you get to hold the vacuum sucker or whatever it's called okay the spook spook I can't remember anyway um, Breath
2: of
0: the Wild 2 is in development. That's That was probably the biggest thing.
1: You're the right age for Link's Awakening to be a huge game for you, Norm. Did you have a not, Game Boy? It,
0: it was not. I never played it on oh, Game okay. Boy. Okay. Yeah.
1: I yeah. mean, and, and,
0: and I love the aesthetic of what they've done with this. Super cute. But I, I just want more Breath of the Wild at this point. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if I want to go back to that style as, um, of Zelda.
1: So um, the Link, Link to the Past kind of follow-up that they did, A Link Between Worlds for 3DS a few years ago, like took did it really took it, in the same way that Breath of the Wild changed up the Zelda formula and made it not you have to go from this dungeon to this dungeon to this dungeon. Yep, it let you choose the dungeons you went to in the order you went it, with it, some interesting mechanics. And I hope that they pull some of that stuff into Link's Awakening. Um But I don't. I didn't. That's the only Zelda I've never played. I think. And it's a ton of other game announcements. We're not going to go through all of them.
0: Uh, were you guys surprised? No, no Switch hardware announcement. No,
1: not surprised. Okay. No, they'll surprised. do that at TGS if they're going to do it this oh. year. Okay. Um, I yeah I didn't I mean there wasn't a whole lot. Um, it's it's kind of that end of the year end of the cycle vibe, right? It's I assumed that the X and the PS4 Pro would kind of delay this one more year until the new hardware was ready to show show up, but it seems like no. Um, I'm surprised that Microsoft's doing a streaming service. I mean that's interesting. This the Stadia stuff seemed pretty neat from what they were showing. I'll, I'll be remains to be seen how that'll work in the real world.
0: Uh, and then the other big press conference. I mean, there was an EA event, you know, uh, Jedi Fallen Order footage shown from there. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and um, new Call of Duty. The Activision had uh, shown some stuff from that, the Modern Warfare stuff, the multiplayer. Uh, and then Bethesda. they you know, they acknowledge Fallout 76 could use some improvements, and they've promised a lot of improvements for that. Uh,
1: and Doom Eternal. Out yeah. November twenty second. That I'm very excited about. the game looks really incredible. Yeah. Um, did you
2: play Rage 2 yet?
1: Yes. Do you like it? Uh it's up and down. Okay. I like the combat and the shooting and the driving, but it's pretty boring in between those bits.
0: Uh-huh. Right.
1: And then uh minor VR stuff on the Bethesda
0: front, Wolfenstein Cyberpilot is their VR game coming in July. And I'll talk more about that in uh VR minute because I got to play it. Ooh. Uh oh, Commander Keen's coming back. On okay. mobile mobile it's so right. like a
1: keen r p. g is that what we're gonna get like those doom r p g games that that Carmack made for phones yeah. years ago were pretty good, yep it's almost like everything he does is good, <laughs> shocking that <huh? laughs> Who knew?
0: Um, I think that does it for all the E3 stuff. We're gonna cover all the g- game stuff first, uh, but before we move on to our next segment, I do want to let you know that this is only a test. This week is also made possible with support from TripleByte because applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put in the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on phone screens and take home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte. Can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to new startups. You do one brief online interview with them, and if you do well, you get to go straight to final interviews with the companies on their platform. It's like the common app for engineers. Triplebyte does not look at your resume or where, you went to school, or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code because a lot of people, great engineers, are self-taught. And that piece of paper, that credential, shouldn't get in the way of them getting great jobs. And people we know totally have had this experience. Um, now, apply now at triplebyte.com slash test. And that's triplebyte, B-Y-T-E, as in 8-bits. And it's a special offer for listeners of the podcast. If you take a job through Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing the bonus so triple bite.com slash test wow how do you really feel about pop culture jeremy <laughs> jeremy's still feeling a little sick okay uh Oh, so much to talk about in pop culture. Uh, let's start with let's start with Maker Faire. I guess this fits in pop culture. So a report came out from TechCrunch over the weekend, and we talked a little about this while well, you and I and Adam did on Stone Titled, But that Make Media, the company that. Publishes Make Magazine and that has run Maker Faire, created Maker Faire, had halted operations and that there are 25 employees, 22, 25 employees um, were unfortunately let go. Um, it sounds like it's the end of Maker Faire as we know it and Make Magazine as we know it. The website currently, as of today, is still up. So that's a good thing. Um, but uh, it's it's, you know, super sad. So uh,
1: Dale had said that their um, their D- Dale the founder of Make and the I, the president of the company, is is pursuing alternative ways to keep at least the magazine and or the website the fair and the content of the website going. I know that the archive.org guys. I followed Jason Scott on Twitter, and they as soon as word came out that they were having trouble, they started scraping the website as fast as they could to get those projects off so that hopefully we'll all end up in archive.org. When they, they had a week's heads up on that. Yeah, which is a long time for them, it turns out. yeah. Um, um, and there's a lot of
2: people pledging support as well. Like, I don't, I mean, I know Palmer Lucky among others, just, you know, he found out about this when it hit TechCrunch along with everybody else and spoke to some friends and offered to help out however he could to Dale Daugherty. Um So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if, like, I'm sure that people knew that this was coming and, and spoke to people who could help, and if the help was not available, then it's not going to be available. It's not well, enough to help out now. I
1: mean, we heard there was a story in the Chronicle about the, them losing sponsorships and this maybe being the last Maker Fair in the lead up to the yeah. current Maker Fair. Um, it's, I mean, I mean, the magazine has been a, has been hugely influential on on me personally. I know and kind of how we built tested in a lot of ways, um, but the fair is just such a. Uh, like if you've never been to one of the fairs and you've never seen if for no other reason to have kids walk around and see that people can make these things and see what's possible it opens up a world of opportunity for them Um, well so I, I think it's important that somebody picks it up. And well, keeps when we going. say fair,
0: we mean Bay Area Maker Fair and, and New York I, I, Maker Fair. I mean
1: all of them, though. I mean I've been to the one in
0: Portland. I've been to the one in Oakland. And those but, won't stop. I mean, for now, those are all still going on because those are really independent. Well, of, they maybe media. They may
1: continue to go on, but they won't be labeled Maker Fairs unless the licensing org continues. Probably. It, it sounds
0: like currently that's going to continue. And oh, even let's say even if the licensing doesn't happen, where they don't get the you know the the, the web support and the the branding of it being a Maker Fair. I don't think there's any reason those fairs shouldn't
1: continue or those, those events shouldn't continue. Agreed. I, I mean, I, and I would hope that people will keep putting them on. But, I mean, I, I think that the thing that goes away is that there's not an easy way to find, you know, if the, if the central org falls, then, then uh, the support and the easy ease of search of saying, hey, is there a Maker fair in my area right. kind of goes away, which is unfortunate.
0: Which, you know, it's the pro and con of having that name. Yeah. Right? Because immediately it feels like it is a inst- big institution that has – and and the, all these companies, all these
1: institutions are just run by people. Well, well, I mean, I remember as a kid living on the East Coast hearing about California Extreme in gaming magazines or or, or the video game stuff at CES that they used to run in Nintendo Power. And, like, th- those were aspirational events that I couldn't go to because I lived too far away and I couldn't afford to fly across the country to go to them. The neat thing about Maker Faire is they still had those aspirational events, but they also let other people <laughs> self-organize their own events in their own neck of the woods, which was which was really, really key. Just I mean, to we, clarify
2: for people who don't know, what Norm's saying is that Maker Media only ran two of the Maker Faires. They yeah. only ran the one here in the Bay Area and the one in New York. And all of the others were independently run, and they they licensed the name. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, there's no reason, like he said, that those should stop. And I would hope that something will rise out of the ashes in New York and, and San Mateo.
0: That, that, and that's if we're talking about a support for something and, and something to bring back and revive and save. And that would be it, the Bay Area and New York ones, because those are the big hubs. Those are the ones that, you know, at least for us, we look forward to every year. And I love to know for people who, because we know people who like, organize maker fairs mm-hmm. uh, all around the country, and a lot of them are going to be at um, at NomCom this weekend. You know what's going to? Well, what are their thoughts? Like, do they want to brand it something else? I mean, you mentioned California Extreme and Jeremy. You know this like, pinball. There is is there's no big like one pinball convention. Well, there's Pinberg. There's, isn't there? They but, you,
2: there used to be one big one, but now they got so popular that they're every month. Oh, well, what was the big one? Expo in mm-hmm. Chicago. Got it. It was the big one for most of the nineties or and
0: they, probably the knots. But, but for that community, it doesn't need to have the one big one be the brand for all the ones spread across the no, US. You no. can't you can't have a Pinburg, you can't have a California stream. Yep. You can't have local
1: leagues and but there's and an easy thing to search for. So you can search for pinball, pinball. So it's just convention. awareness. Yeah, like maker convention is a harder thing to find, I think, just because the search terms are worse. Maybe the better analogy is for
0: combo conventions. Yeah. Right? Comic Con is the one that everyone knows and that name, you know there's the, the licensing of it, there's the brand of it, right? There's the one San Diego Comic Con with the hyphen, and that is that actually the company, while people think when they say Comic-Con in popular media, they think that there's just one company that runs all of it. San Diego Comic Con really only runs WonderCon Comic-Con and previously alternative press expo. Yeah. New York Comic-Con, which is just as big now and has the word comic and con in the title. Completely different company. Isn't run that by Repop? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so they own packs and a bunch of other stuff too, right? And
0: so it's Maybe maybe it's you know if if worst case make make media maker fair goes away like does the word maker fair need to be this privately owned thing? Well, and I why mean, can't people just call these type of events maker fairs if
1: we're talking about the benefit of it being exposed to and easily searchable? Here's I mean the other thing is the other thing that was special about the maker fairs at least the Bay Area and, and really all of them is that they, they the standards that they required for the licensees were such a lot of the people that come and exhibit at maker fairs don't actually pay, right? Like, yeah. they give a they gave a ton of scholarships, which sometimes included, like, an honorarium to help the people get their projects there yeah. to have, so that they had really cool stuff that was really exciting for the audience, you know, even if it, even it meant they made less money, because, like, they could have charged for booths at Maker Faire. And they did. Like they charged I mean, we know like the people who are selling 3D printers and glowforges and laser cutters and mills and all that stuff, those those people are paying for that space. But at the same time, there's a ton of like awesome school projects and projects that robotics clubs are putting together and stuff like that. And those people got the space because their projects were a draw. And and like I think if you if you move this over to somebody like Reed, which is a you know public uh, uh, a company that's out to make a ton of money off of each of their their um, each of their shows, a lot of that stuff will go away. And I think that's that's a, like when you have a project that's neat and that people want to see, but there's no immediate commercial side to it, then then it's tough to it's it's much tougher to justify paying not paying people.
2: I I will say that on the other hand it would cost apple and google and facebook nothing to make this show continue as well, it, Go- as it's going i
1: mean in fairness google has sponsored it for the, for a long time google was there this year Yeah, i know but
2: intel pulled out and it, the thing it would it would cost them absolutely nothing to, yeah. in order to just keep the status quo and i'm sure that they just did not see this happening i'm sure that they didn't realize that pulling out would have meant no victimized uh, i think that i would Dale say dell probably made it, push pretty clear.
0: made it very clear <laughs> especially with our chronicle article <laughs> that he
1: named names yeah he was like look microsoft and intel pulled out and it's put our whole thing at risk yeah like in the chronicle article yeah yeah i mean you and i know and i think it's unfair to blame those companies too right i like, mean because look they're, they're not look, responsible for it gina and i talked about this today and she's like look it's it's tough in being in that situation because somebody at Microsoft has to justify the money that the You know what is hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that they were spending to be there mm-hmm. And when you look at the return you get on that versus the return of going to something like like CES Or to something that's more specific to the or not to the even self- like going like because that's a very purely commercial We're talking about yeah. other like philanthropic endeavors that big these big companies well, but This do. isn't a philanthropic endeavor. This was a make- maker. That was a company that was it's not a 503 C or anything like that It is a company that is out to make money So it's not a philanthropic endeavor. If it was, then it would maybe be a little bit easier for somebody like Microsoft Mm. to give them money with less of a return. Um, And, and, I mean, yeah, if you look at that versus going to, say, a robotics conference, right? Sponsoring a first robotics Yeah, if Microsoft sponsors first robotics with their robotics division, then they're getting immediate return because everybody's like, oh, Microsoft does robotics, too. We should pay attention to them. When it's at make and it's like there's crafting and there's robots and there's submarines and there's all these different things, it's a little bit... Yeah, the thing that makes Maker Faire good for us and for people who are attending is maybe not great for high-dollar sponsorships
2: I think it could be viewed as a philanthropic effort whether or not it's 503c and the fact that there, That you say there's no clear return on it. There's clearly a return. It's just not as as obvious you It's know, just right? a, yeah, it's not it's, tangible It's yeah. a culture that you're helping to you know to grow and you get children coming up who become engineers who wouldn't otherwise and then go you know work at your company one day with and have great ideas i i, I, mean, it's, it's, I totally <laughs>
1: agree but i mean i'm just saying from a from a from you sitting here looking at this spreadsheet if you sponsor this and you sell eight robotics kits out of your sponsorship yeah. that cost a half a million dollars then it's not a great return like it's you have to have some you have to have if you i don't know about big companies but i assume that if you're going to spend a half a million dollars you have to be able to say hey here's what we got for this money um call me old
0: fashioned and also, the companies we named, are these are software companies, right? And, and there's that fundamental clash in the culture, in the make culture, of, yeah. like, what constitutes the type of making that needs more visibility and more support. And because we do have a lot of people moving into engineering fields and who don't think of that as making and think of those as, you know, successful career paths. And one of the things that make – did a really good job of promoting was the more, you know, the f- more physical um, skills and, and – um,
1: well, and the, and kind of the synergy, the merging of all of them. Yeah. I mean, look, I I love Make and I love the fair, and I hope that somebody picks it up and does something awesome with it. Um,
0: well, I guess another good analogy is like Microsoft bought GitHub, right? Yeah. GitHub it now is a it, it does a lot of good. I mean, as a as a platform, um, but it is now a, an under
1: the umbrella of. But Microsoft. GitHub generates a ton of revenue. Everybody who uses GitHub for work, if you don't want to make your projects public, you pay X number of dollars a month. And there's millions of people that have you know hmm. all different size projects on that platform, like it's it is a revenue it is a yeah. Would the people would would people be
0: unsupportive if you know a big tech company came in like an Amazon and bought it up to keep it running but under you know the umbrella of this company? Would
1: that lose the spirit of? I, I mean, it, it's it depends on what the intent, right? Like you, if it if it becomes a showcase for what's on Amazon Prime. Probably not people would not be supportive, but if it's more or less the same as it is now just with some amb- with pictures of Jeff Bezos everywhere I don't think anybody would complain too much and then yeah. Smart yeah, Alexa devices in every corner. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny you say that but Amazon is a good example of like Bezos Bezos is kind of persona of Like he's into rockets. He's into providing internet around the world. He's into drones all of that stuff feeds off of the things that begin at Maker Faire
0: yeah, I mean it's still very, very fresh
1: and very raw, and I think we're all still thinking about like it can go a lot of different ways. I, yeah, I mean I, I will I will tell you I told my six year old daughter that 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 was probably the last Maker Fair we went to, and she was she ran to her room and started crying. So, yeah, let's get Maker Fair back.
0: Um, all right, so moving on from that some other pop culture stuff Uh, I know you haven't watched this yet but I did want to talk about Chernobyl something upbeat and and really something to get our spirits up yes Jeremy I saw you're a big fan of this series
2: yeah I watched all five episodes I'm two episodes into the podcast series
0: this is something I don't think people know about Peter Sagal's Peter Sagal and uh, and, uh, Craig Mazin who's the creator and writer of this uh, did as the show aired uh, a weekly podcast Talking behind the scenes about what was true, what so, was not so true.
2: P- Peter Segal hadn't seen the full series before doing this. The I think podcast he did. Series? He did. I don't.
0: Okay. I don't think he had. No, no. I think he says in the first episode. I watched the whole thing. Oh, okay. And they they, they then plan out, but they don't reveal. Like if you yeah. watch, if you listen to the podcast as you watch a show, <laughs> they try not to reveal too much about. And they do leak Look, things like quotes here and there. Yeah. But it, it's really nice companion piece. I haven't seen anyone done. Who do- always does that. Um, Really? Yeah, The Good Place does a a companion podcast. It's outstanding. This is the tech angle, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it's it's a great listen. Even if you binge the whole series and watched it, going back like you're doing right now, Jeremy, and what I'm doing, and listening to the podcast, it's really wonderful to hear from a production standpoint, from a historical standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, what um, decisions were made in making this show. Well, you get to learn about – if
2: you watch this show, you're so full of – was that real? Questions. Did that really yeah. happen? Yeah, Wikipedia and, is a good resource, and then you know the podcast is an excellent resource for finding
1: out what was and what wasn't. Um, but yeah, I love the series. I absolutely. How much I, of it do you feel like is dramatized? I mean, after watching the series and listening to the podcast.
2: Well, I mean, it's
0: television, so
2: you
1: know,
0: there's some elements that are certainly dramatized, condensed. People that they created for the show to represent a bunch of different people, Uh, people who you know were a part of the story who they just didn't have time to devote to. You know, big example: the main character had a family in real life, but they didn't show his family because it would have then taken that story in a different direction, and they wanted to one specific angle.
1: But do you feel like watching? So I didn't watch it because I was afraid that they kind of. in the '80s, when you would see a made-for-TV movie event like this, a lot of times they would take a real event and then completely dramatize it and make it make it make only the core thing that happened. Oh no! The same. I feel like they did they do
2: great service do a to truth. Okay. Yeah, they okay. they because re- I mean, and so much of the theme of the show is about lies, and so they they do a great service to go even beyond what you would know. No one would know like w- whether or not the uniforms are correct or not, but they they try to be as accurate as possible. no one would know that the actual control room. Of the nuclear reactor was correct down to the button, but yeah. it is, you know, they they cool. really d- go to a great length.
0: And they there is from interviews of people who throughout the investigation, interviews mm-hmm. of people who were part of the incident, uh, there are actual quotes. And so, in his process of writing the scripts, some of the quotes are pulled in, uh, some of the dialogue is, is there's some flourish added for dramatic effect. Because you know, it's a docudrama drama, yeah. Uh, but it did expose a lot of information I didn't know, just about the science of what happened. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, an enormous amount of information I didn't know. Yeah. And re- really just beautifully communicated. But like I, I said, it's not title It's not like, that's just half the story, right? The, the, what happened and the, and the, the urgency of containment and, and the, the literal fallout of it. Uh, the real stories is about what happens is the systemic problems of bureaucracy and people, acting in self-interest
1: cya culture
0: and 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 averting blame and also on the flip side uh the the in the 30 years ago in the ussr this uh feeling of patriotism of what people did to rally together in the face of little death um to stave off A catastrophe like a Europe a a catastrophe that affected all of Europe yeah and and, and, like the analogy they make is that if this had happened in the United States even 30 years ago or especially today you know they would have just put a big barrier around the whole thing and said don't go here because they would not people would not have volunteered to die to to help
1: well I think you'd be surprised yeah we don't know we we don't know that we don't know this is the worst nuclear
2: disaster in human history and it, it only happened there yeah and what I didn't know is that there were People who gave their lives in order to keep it from getting worse. Yeah. Like there was going it was going to become much worse if people didn't there, there ta- were a lot of people steps. who
1: gave their lives to keep it from getting worse. Yeah. And uh And, and
0: wasn't just give their lives like in the moment, like no, they, knew they, they, they were doomed.
1: Yeah. And went back every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so that other people wouldn't have to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Extraordinary miniseries. Yeah. Um other shows. This is a, the anthology show "Love, Death, and Robots" on Netflix is oh, getting yeah. a season two now. I know. Did you end up watching this, Jeremy? No. Sexy oh, violence. The show. Come on. Not. I know we had problems with yeah. a few of the episodes, and some some of them were actually genuinely great, and a lot of them mm. were great. Uh, but a, uh, I think something I'm optimistic about is that they've hired a new showrunner, uh, hm. the director of Kung Kung Fu Fu Panda Kai? three. No. Oh. No. 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 What really? Yeah, Je- oh. Jennifer uh, U. Nelson. Hmm. Uh, has been brought aboard as a supervising director of the season two, the second anthology set. So does
1: that mean she's the one that like glues the themes together and all that in the way that Fincher did before? Or, or maybe she helps guide each of the studios
0: working on this and okay. works with the individual directors and writers to... Chips. Okay.
2: Well, yeah. I I hate to stereotype, but the fact that she's a woman gives me hope, and I would uh, be very curious to see how this turns out.
0: Well, especially since some of the criticisms that we had about the first season yeah, exactly. were uh, yeah. were because Thir- of some of the, the Thir- misogynistic episodes challenges.
1: and no women. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, <coughs> Frozen two has a new trailer. I didn't get a chance to see this. Any good?
2: You didn't get a chance to see this.
0: It did not play in front of the Toy Story <laughs> 4 screening I went to. You went to see Toy Story 4? Yes. Dead Bear the lead? Yeah. God! Um, really? Jerry's no not interested. No, but yeah, no, of course I'm interested. I thought you weren't interested in Toy Story 4. Well, no, I'm... I'm, I'm Jeremy of course hates I'm,
1: things that bring joy in the world. I, I, I didn't
2: I, like Toy Story 3 nearly as much as
1: you did, but I... I oh, oh, that's interesting. I, I forgot about that. What part of Toy Story 3 didn't you like? The part where they <laughs> give up and face death at the end? You know, people mention yeah, that as yeah. like the thing... Because that's pretty that's, fucked up, I thought. That, that, thank you, Will. That yeah. was not the... The impactful moment for me. What on that movie? What was the, the, Im- the Andy giving them away? Well yeah, that Andy. was the, also the impactful moment. But that part was only impactful because it had wrecked you. No, because Andy, you thought they were all going to get turned Andy, into melted plastic Andy, three Andy minutes saying before. saying
0: goodbye to Woody and Buzz wrecked <sighs> me more. The the them the the dramatic effect of like them being the furnace thing. People, I think, blow that way out of proportion.
1: Are you fucking kidding me? They stand there and they hold hands and face their doom. No, no, they were never going to fall in there, dude. They gave up on life. Yes. Yeah. They, they, stopped, they, stopped, they stopped fighting they and stopped decided trying. to be with each other at the end. Yes,
0: I it, it, it I, I maybe I, I felt like, oh, there's like half an hour of the movie left. This is not going to be. Oh. This is not going to be the finale. Well, Jesus, we all Norm. knew they weren't going to die. But exactly. I mean, but kids don't. Know I was not sure of that? I mean, have you K- seen maybe baby they a killed the fucking mom in the first okay. three minutes? All right. Okay. All right. I, so. I, n- I understand that's like what you an issue Surprise. that you have with Toy Story 3 but you gotta admit the ending was was powerful right the, the Andy giving them away and well I thought the they were going to make a TV show after that I felt
2: like it was a little overdramatized. dramatized oh,
0: really you didn't yep. get sentimental uh, no. no did I you didn't ever give any of your toys away I was away too as old by then though you were just the right age I was age. just the right age because I grew up with them yeah. I was the like, you know Andy a little older oh uh, you know, yeah cause, what, Toy Story 3 was seven eight years ago now a while ago. Seven, 2012 you know, Uh so you would have been like mid-20s? Yeah, mid-20s. But, you know, grew up with Toy Story, grew up with, and I yeah. think Pixar is really smart in that they know the audience has grown up with these movies. Yeah. And so the people who remember, who watched the original Toy Story are now probably parents now, or went
1: to college at the time when Toy Story 3 came out, and and feel that extra level of connection. Um, I, I bawled all the way through the last act of Toy Story 3. Like, I was in the theater, and my daughter was like, Dad, why, or it wasn't even <laughs> my daughter, it was just Gina. And she was like, why are you so sad? Yeah. Do you guys want to know
0: about Toy Story 4? Are you allowed to tell? I think I can give some impressions. I, I think like there's a social media embargo that's okay. Uh-huh. I went to a friends and family screening, but I don't think we can give like, Does it seem I'm not going to spoil anything. Was don't it okay? Worry. No spoilers. Yeah, don't spoil anything. Was no it good? spoilers. Uh, just like in the way I talk about Endgame, I will say I cried 3 times. Wow. And at the end I was wrecked. Oh boy. So that's a good review. I will I will say that uh from a technical standpoint, yeah. Easily the most beautiful Toy Story movie. Is this Easily the most, one of the most beautiful
1: maybe Pixar films. They're using the physicality-based renderer for the first yeah. time on this? No, no, no. What are you talking about They started that with Monsters University, right? Bits and pieces on Monsters University, but so not across the whole thing.
0: the, the <laughs> thing that impressed me most from a technical angle is one, the lighting was astounding. And you can kind of get a sense that they're really proud of this if you drive and see the Toy Story 4 billboards. Um, around and uh, the ads, like they really kind of focus on how the like these colorful lights are lighting up the characters. The lighting is just like Quake Two, unbelievable. And they cool. use ray tracing too. Yeah. Uh, uh, and two, they have environments that are so detailed and dense that um, they look populated in a way that uh, that I. I, I that feel real. Cool. And and one particular environment specifically, it's just like they, you know, every object has to be created by someone modeled and rigged and, and, and and set dressed. And we even like interior of like, I think for Toy Story three, it was the, the play, uh, the, the kids, the nursery, uh, nursery nursery was a really nicely realized place. Uh, one of the environments in Toy Story four is just, It's so detailed.
1: That's always the thing that, like, for me, that separates Pixar and and Disney to a lesser extent. But, like, if you look at, like, WALL-E and the movies that were coming out of DreamWorks and Warner at the same time, it's a completely different level of detail. Hmm. Uh, And then, so,
0: from a, I guess, story and emotional standpoint, the big question was, did we need a Toy Story 4?
1: Right. I think like Pixar did because they want to keep making money probably. Well,
0: they've also announced that they're not going to do after this. They're not going to do sequels. They're going to do original stories. Yeah. And our next movie but is... It's, uh, it's interesting that they came out with that announcement just before the release of Toy Story 4. I want to see Bugs Life I, too. I, I don't know if those things are correlated or okay. if it's part of like the new regime of like, you know, they have some directors have retired now and, and they're yeah. kind of bringing up these new directors with new ideas and maybe this is just the right time. And of course, Toy Story 4 has a, a store development because I think Rashida Jones was slated to to write at some point. Every movie, every 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 yeah. movie goes through its own phases of like it was at one point this story and at one point this story. And I think from our fans' perspective, people who grew up with Toy Story. We love Toy Story 3. I love Toy Story 3. I felt like it was a really nice passing the torch, a really nice ending. I don't I didn't feel like going into Toy Story 4 it was necessary. And I will say that going out of Toy Story 4, I felt like if this movie didn't exist, I would be okay, but I'm kind of really glad it does exist because it still hit hit the right notes.
1: Well, if you look at what they did with the Toy Story shorts after Toy Story three, so they did like right, t- right, Toy right. Story of Terror yeah. and the Toy Story that time forgot. I right. think like those characters still live on. Yeah, right. and it, and it well it, and it set up a world where Bonnie is the kid instead of Andy's the yeah. kid. And I kind of like I li- I like the Bonnie as a world kid. The new characters that they added with Bonnie, the um, uh, what the Triceratops it's voiced by, um,
2: yeah, the Shakespearean
1: guy. No, no first that's, up the, uh, that's the Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. Oh, what's her name? from uh, And from Last Man on Earth.
0: E- oh, yes. Right.
1: Oh, God. I can't remember her name. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to look this up. Um, but she's she's awesome in those shorts. She's really funny. Um, and those those shorts are super good. I think those shorts Crystal were- Shaw. Crystal Shaw, thanks. I, re- I think they were released on the Pixar short DVDs. Those maybe. are great. I love the Christmas yeah. one.
0: I can't see them doing another Toy Story after this. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they uh, actually melt them down this time. No, they don't. Melt yeah. them Big spoilers, Norm. <laughs> I, I I do feel like, you know, it's is their they they told another great story, and I'd like I, it would be. Well, they'll come back in twenty years when maybe. Bonnie's grown up, and <laughs> yeah. they need to hand it off to. Never say them off never to right? Andy's kids. Yeah, never say yeah. never. Uh, God, there's one thing I wanted to say emotionally about this film. Yes, okay, so. This film more than any of the other ones, uh-huh. and maybe it's because I, this is the first story, Toy Story, I'm seeing since becoming a parent. Yeah. that it became apparent to me that the it was nice, the, the, nicely done that the toys, the relationships with toys and the kids that own them, is more a caretaker and parental role than it is a companion role. In which way? The kids are the parents or the, no, the, the toys, toys are, are the safeguarding parents. the kids? The t- yes, toys agreed. are surrogate parents for the kids and feel like they are the caretakers of the kids more so. And even, and, and I don't know if this is the case with Toy Story 2 and 3 because Toy Story 1 less definitely Less so 2. Less so 2, less so 1. I think 3 yeah. with the goodbye with Andy, I, I still think that, thinking back on it, that what how Woody sees himself with Andy was less was more of a companion, the friend that kind of was with him the whole time. And they were buddies and they were buddies, yeah. but maybe less of like he took care of Andy. I definitely feel like in Toy Story 4, the role, it's very, the subtext is very clear for me that the toys are like parents to these kids.
1: Well, if you think about it, Toy Story 4 is also the first time, I mean, I guess Toy Story 2, we also had the the kid and the toys, like a young kid and the toys, but by Toy Story 2, Andy was starting to grow out of playing with his toys and they went and had an adventure that was mostly sans Andy. Yeah. yeah. Um Whereas with three, it's, there's, no, there's no core kid until the last moments. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's interesting. Thumbs up for me.
0: Okay. Did you get a short before it? I did not get to see a short. Oh. I think there is a short. But of course there is. So I will well, have to not always watch, it and watch it back in interesting. The Were there sort of the
2: credits out. before and after? Well, credits before and after the movie? Yeah. Or I guess just after. Oh, these, oh yeah. These yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I okay. mean, sometimes you see an early
0: screening and there's nothing there. No. I mean, if you watch the early screening at the studio where it's made. Oh, is that where you saw it? yes <laughs> <laughs> as a i said friends family screening yeah uh yeah you gotta stick around for the credits yeah you gotta yeah. recognize <laughs> you know, shout out your names <laughs> i'm <laughs> saying that sometimes they don't have them
1: yet
2: because it's really? an early
1: cut yeah sure i've seen I'm, films the, but
2: the movie's out next week oh is it already out next it's like the week 14th or uh, 21st 21st wow yeah. all right cool go watch it folks uh, uh so, so frozen yeah. two uh frozen two trailer uh highly recommended it looks great it still frozen be still frozen
1: uh Does Elsa have powers and Anna have powers now well too? I
2: guess part of the story and the trailer doesn't really go into it but the studio has said that it's going to be about explaining why Elsa has these powers to begin with and so they're going to go on an adventure she's a demon looks like outside of Arendelle and they will find out and I'll just say that the you were saying that the visuals in Toy Story 4 look amazing The visuals in this trailer look amazing like they're up, I'm, up I'm in their game
0: so glad that Disney Animation Studio has stepped up their game. and I've loved the look of the last couple of films they did. You know, starting with, uh, what's it Big Hero 6? was the one that really, like, I think. Broke Big the Hero mold. 6
1: Wreck It Ralph both looked unbelievable. Yeah. I can't reach one. Yeah, Wreck It yeah. Ralph 2, well,
0: Zootopia, and. and Tangled. Yeah, it's great. Tangled, yeah. I, I'm glad that they. Uh, maybe there's, like, some friendly competition between the two studios, even though they're under the mouse. Yeah. But I, I'm glad that they both look. They both
1: I. Are, the water in that Frozen 2 treat teaser, I thought, like, I, you couldn't tell that it wasn't real water.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been doing really amazing things ever since Nemo. And I know that that simulation stuff takes up a lot of, of like, computer time. So they only use that Sim stuff where they have to. Yeah. But it seems like like it's gotten so good that they're just using it all the time now.
0: I mean, I'm amazing. not an animator, but from my understanding is that uh, these movies, like, everyone, a lot of people think that when they look at an animated film that... You know, one one team does it all, right? And but there are people who do the character modeling, or people who do the actual an- rigging. Rig- there's animation. people who do rigging. There's people that do skinning. There's people that do animate, like hand the, animation and face animation, it, right? and yeah. There's a whole simulation team. So like, p- the artists aren't necessarily individually animating hair and stuff like and and, and water. Uh, simulation teams do a, some of that work and a lot of that work. And then there's also like special effects teams, like when you think of Like isn't this whole movie a
1: special effect? No, even the animated films have special effects teams that do things like fire and or or like the scene in Coco where you see the underworld, like when they're entering the underworld for the first time and you see the whole scope of the thing. That was that was 16 million lights or something in that scene. Yeah, I mean it was bonkers. In Piper, the short that ran, I guess before Coco, maybe I can't remember the one with the bird on the Mm -hmm. beach. Like those those grains of sand, they place they they did that manually. Like they didn't they didn't use well, it's a combination of some sim and and some. The, I was told there was no sim on the at sand. All? No, it was all wow. done manually, which is bananas. Wow. But I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, those those teams that work on those movies are massive. All you have to do is stay and watch the credits to know it's hundreds and hundreds of people over many many years. I think Frozen is
2: still the most um, uh, the highest earning animated film of all time. Really? Yep. Yeah. And so I guess they're. You know, I would imagine that this team got whatever budget they needed in order to make a movie. And Toy Story 3 was the highest-grossing uh, Pixar film of all time, so probably the same, same deal with four.
0: Wow! So both both of these coming yeah. out, which is also interesting because uh, like a movie like Lion King, which is coming out, technically animated, also under the mouse, but not done by either of these companies, None more more Wait, traditional really? effects houses. Really? Like it's it's licensed out and really you know, it's bid oh, and done by MPC you know, and, and Crazy. I don't know if it's ILM that's doing it, but uh, it's it's not an animated film in that sense, I mean, because it was not filmed that way because it was you know it was done with performance capture and and uh, and their version of, uh, of VR filming. Um, other film news: uh, Uncharted. Fan of the game Uncharted. Uh, you know I don't get into those kind of. I like mo- the f- the fourth one's good. Uh,
2: They're all good. I just, I can't get into them. They're just very long, lots of cutscenes. They're interactive movies. Exactly. Kind of, yeah.
0: They're just as fun to watch someone play as they are to play. 100% true. And uh, when I lived with someone who played those games, it was so much fun to watch them. I don't have time to play a full one. But the movie, uh, people have long awaited for uh, Uncharted movie, and they finally, Sony has the rights. They're going to make one for release end of next year. And Tom Holland, Spider-Man himself. Will be playing a young Nathan Drake.
1: So they're going young. He's he's playing Mr. Uncharted. He's playing yes, Mr. Uncharted. Wow, yeah. I I'm into like if you look at the the lineage of Uncharted is hey let's make an Indiana Jones movie that doesn't have the license. I'm okay with that. I mean that, that why, why not bring it full circle I, and come I, I back and make an a movie? That's reductive for Uncharted. I don't think it is Indiana
0: Jones. It's the tone is not not the same. It's. it's
1: I it's mean, modern. in the same way you wouldn't call okay. Tomb Raider Indiana Jones. So let's make a Tomb Raider with a with a male lead. That's closer, but yeah. it's it's still reductive.
0: I think there is its own charm to to Nathan Drake's story and and especially the, the type of action. I think the hallmark of the series has been the action sequences um, and how how they bring
1: that to screen, how they bring that tension to to screen. Well, and and like the other thing that's interesting is like it's a it was a real challenge getting say the plane sequence from I think Uncharted three. To work on a PlayStation Three, technically, right? Like where the plane's moving, the people are moving. That you're jumping from two moving objects in and out. There's a lot of stuff happening that's weird. So
0: how do you make that film? The film equivalent of that that's still exciting when you've seen essentially that scene in Fast and Furious,
1: right? Or or Mission Impossible, or any number of other things. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm I'm excited. Tom Holland's great. I love Tom Holland. He can do his own flips. (laughs) Really? He's a gymnast. Oh, you know when he did a the audition for Spider
0: Man yeah uh, it was the the scene uh one of the screen tests was was with captain america chris evans and he was supposed to remember in the airport he flips in and he has an exchange with cap yeah and it's on the script it said do a flip and he's like should i just do this flip and the casting director's like can you and yeah he just did the flip and then did the scene i mean he
1: has the, the physical prowess maybe that's why he seems so nimble yeah
0: uh last bit of pop culture news hey lego Lego
1: Ideas. The, the, this is the... Uh, they the, just did the LEM. They did the LEM. The, oh, the LEM is did out. Did that come out of uh, Lego out Ideas? It's oh, it may have come. it may have just been a direct sequel I, to the Saturn V since that sold well.
0: Yeah. That, I don't know if that came out of Ideas, but this is where people can pitch their own um, Lego designs or my own creations, and then the ones that get above a certain number of votes go on to so this uh, review period and, and uh, voting, and the one that is approved next to be designed as a product, because it... Mo- it's exact design is the ISS, International Space Station. <laughs> it beat out Lilo and Stitch. Suck it, Stitch. All right. It beat out Sega classic arcade machines. Is there oh, an, really? Yeah. Did they actually work? No, it's a tiny, oh, big scale. Is there an interior? No, there won't be. I, I think it's going to be a model the okay. ISS. All right.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. So the. LEM is a creator kit. I don't know what that means.
0: No, that's just one of their lines, like city, creator. Okay. Yeah.
2: It means we need to move the show on. It's hot in here. Yeah. All right. Agreed.
1: All
0: right. Uh, Let's go through check pretty quickly. First,
1: Google Stadia. Seems neat.
0: <laughs> Have you played it
1: yet? I played it at GDC, I but did I think too. they had the machine set up in so the you, room. You played Assassin's Creed, Is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I it was impressed.
2: Fun. I was impressed by the. I mean, on technical levels, impressed by the codec. Like, there's some weird shit going on. Like, you move, and certain things are blurry, certain oh, yeah. things are sharp at the same time. It's neat, and it's very low latency, but I, I'll be very curious to see if you can play something like, su- you know, super, what is it, super Meat Boy.
1: I, I super, would assume that the games that are going to work best are the mushier controls Yes, ones. exactly. You're not going to be playing Mortal Kombat on this. Right. So um, it is a scr- subscription service, $10 a month. And that just that gets you access to the entire game library, everything you want to play, all you can eat, right? No. Uh-oh. How much does it cost to get games? Well, how much do you pay for games? 60 bucks. Then some games. What? Game. Sixty bucks. I have to pay ten bucks oh. a month for the privilege of paying sixty dollars a month for games. You clipped your no. recording, dude. <laughs> Jesus. No, thank you, sir. <laughs> Look, you need, just because you, if you you guys need a compressor here, it's not my <laughs> fault. I'm I'm vibrant and full of life, Jeremy.
0: So, uh, technical requirements: streaming rate of fifteen megabits per second, latency below Is forty. Is for uh, I believe so. Okay. And uh, you know, no packet loss uh, over five percent. You know, forty milliseconds. If you're on a good connection, most people get like in twenty to. 20 to 30, yeah, 21 is what I usually get. Um, that seems low enough, you know. It's, uh, But, yeah, the pricing. It's just regular game pricing. I think well, they also, uh,
1: they're expanding to Alaska. So if you're in Alaska, they have uh, servers up there now. They didn't have that during the trial Crazy was one of the things. But the pri- but 10 bucks a month, this is what OnLive did and didn't work out so well for them. Maybe it'll work better for Google. So, hold on. There's a...
0: They're selling a, a bundle, right? You get yeah. 130 bucks. you get a Chromecast controller,
1: and three months of Stadia. It's the 4K Chromecast Ultra that you get, not the vanilla one.
2: Well, this con- they're selling the controller that connects directly to Stadia, right? They are yeah, selling it separately. $70?
1: Separately. 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 $70. But the, the the bundle comes with the controller as well. Yes.
2: But this controller, it doesn't connect yeah, to the, the local bu- thing. You, you, Correct.
1: Yeah.
0: The, the bundle, yes, the $130 gets you... The Chromecast. Get a yeah. controller that does not connect to the Chromecast. It has its own it internet connects connection. To the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So you you all everyone goes I mean all goes through your router anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. So it all goes to the cloud, uh, and then the signals just connect to the cloud and your video comes back to your Chromecast and you can right. see your actions. Uh and three months at the whatever it is, the ten dollars a month. Um now I, I gotta figure out I wanna uh, figure out the exact detail for this, because there is a Stadia Pro uh huh uh, the, the Pro is a monthly subscription. It includes free games and exclusive de- That's discounts. the 10 bucks a month? I, th- I think so. It will have so 30 th- games from major publishers. So i got to figure out where, where... You remember
2: that Mac show, the After the Mac thing? Oh, and, my and goodness. And that, none uh, none of us work. knew anything about the, the new laptops. It was you, me, and Gary. None of us knew anything. I've never,
1: I've never not known anything about everything. <laughs> and <laughs> Norm wasn't
2: here, and he listened to it, and he was very upset. He's like, "You guys, you, top story of the whole show, and you knew none of the information."
1: You've been waiting to just this throw this happening. back at his and Jeremy. He's just
0: buried this in the middle of the show. Yeah, yeah. It's the future of video games, Stadia. <laughs> so there is a free version, and there's
1: a subscription version. You can only get it this year if you pay for the bundle, for the, though, right? Yes. You have to pay $129 to get the Chromecast Ultra and the weird controller. I wish that they had had the controller at GDC. That's the thing I have questions about, because it looks like it would be really uncomfortable to hold. Oh, really? And I don't know if they've had them on the floor at E3, but I'm I'm curious to hear what pe- people's feedback is on the actual controller. So,
0: the clarification. The Pro... This is where there's confusion. Stadia Pro yeah. is the standard bundle. Yeah. The $129 bundle. No, is the monthly, monthly, oh, $10, $10 a, a month. month. It's okay. called Stadia Pro. Okay. And that includes... Free games to play.
1: Well, like th- like games that you're selection. paid
0: includes games, a selection of games to play. Like They're not free. You're paying 10 bucks a month for them. And discounts. Okay. Because some newer games, which they have not talked about, will be purchased separately at full price.
1: So we're looking at like an Apple uh, Amazon Prime model where you can buy the brand new stuff or the old stuff. If you wait long enough, eventually it'll probably lo- load up on oh, Prime. Yeah. I'm fine yeah. with that. So games that will be part of Stadia Pro, the subscription,
0: Destiny 2. Which is also going to be free to play on Steam. Assassin's Creed, Doom, Doom Eternal, New Tomb Raider, Final Fantasy, Ooh. Metro Exodus, uh, Dark Siders Genesis.
1: So, like, if they have a relationship with your preferred studios or preferred publishers, then it might be a great like. This might be a real good way to say like you could reduce if all you want to play is Bethesda games, you can save a bunch of money by paying one hundred twenty bucks a year, or sixty bucks a year. Math is hard.
0: Yeah, and then. For the game for for Stadia free will be then you get to buy the games and just use their service for free, but you buy the games, so they become like a Steam equivalent. Yeah,
1: and then you own them forever and ever. And presumably, if Stadia stops, if they when what happens when Google decides that they're going to do the thing that they've done to every other Google service that they didn't make enough money on and kill it? They're, they're not going to give you Steam codes. Hmm? Yeah, they're not going to give you no Steam codes. Yeah, they're going to gonna gonna the refund games. you your sixty bucks.
0: No, your license was tied to the service, just like Apple. Fuck that! You're buying licenses.
2: I'm just surprised. Like, it seems like Google's whole strategy of making money is ads everywhere else. Why not find a way to make all the games free and
1: make it ad-supported? I don't know if you, how much you know about the ad market these days, Jeremy. But games cost a lot of money, and ads do not make a lot of money unless you're at a massive volume. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. Oh. And and an did you, you guys way to buy our things? kids? No,
2: I, I think I'm gonna wait. Did you buy any of the stuff on uh, Sony? They're, they're having a huge sale right now. I had almost all the stuff that was uh, on sale that I wanted. I picked up Spider Man for twenty
1: bucks. Yeah, Spider Man's a good deal. God of
2: War for twenty bucks. You can get God of War twenty bucks. Yeah, God of War's twenty bucks. Holy smokes. And you can it's only for another week or so. The The Epic
1: sale was really good too. They were taking ten bucks off of everything on the Epic store that cost more than fifteen dollars. I think
2: the mini retro miniature PlayStation, you know, like the little guy. uh, That thing's
1: bad. Thirty bucks. It's bad though. Yeah, but it's only it's seventy percent off. Yeah, but it's but seventy percent off something that's bad is still bad. Why is it bad? It's uh, only D pad games. So like, the games that you want are probably stick games. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Mm. Okay.
0: Uh, moving on. Uh, more in the gaming world. Kotaku uh, had a story um, from their sources, Blizzard, that Blizzard canceled a StarCraft first person. StarCraft Ghost. Shooter. They canceled it. It's mm-hmm. not going to come out
1: for my GameCube. I know
0: StarCraft Ghost was always a third person game. GameCube it was a third person. Maybe I don't know. Right. Whatever. The, that was the, the Nova game. That right? my joke is played. He's yeah. just funny. <laughs> Okay, okay, but the report is that to put those uh, developers on Diablo Four and Overwatch Two that they had uh, they shelved at least Overwatch Two. That's, Overwatch harder. Appar- apparently, this is what the report says. That's cool. that they are shelving or canceling a Starcraft FPS, but they had been enough into
1: development, codename Ares, that they would more wow. like a Battlefield set in the Starcraft well, universe. I mean, Overwatch Two makes sense because uh-huh. they don't charge for new maps. They don't charge. They only charge for cosmetics. So presumably you could have paid thirty dollars for that when it came out and still be playing the same game. Yeah. Why would they not make Overwatch too?
2: That's great. I just figured that the days of making full fledged games at Blizzard like that that they
1: know, would just
0: be patching it and updating
1: it yeah, and I letting it be go. the way it was forever. And
2: but it's cool. I mean, Overwatch was the result of a canceled game. So that's um, true. Here we go. We're, they're canceling
1: another game, and they're going to cancel Overwatch. Making another Overwatch. You heard it here oh. to hear first. I love Overwatch. It's a very good game. I'm bummed out. I love Overwatch. So Do you cool. still play? No. I still play occasionally. I really like it. though. We should play sometime.
2: I, d- I dive in there from time to time. Yeah, I, I stopped playing because somebody told me I was I wasn't any good.
1: There's a million new characters <laughs> now. There's there's like t- fifteen new characters. as many new characters as there were people I knew the last time I loaded. Yeah, them, yeah. I,
2: I dive into the training and like yeah. see what they do. Oh,
1: they're all scary. Just play Diva. She has missiles.
0: All right. Okay. Moving on. You don't know Overwatch talk? Yeah. Okay. It's a good game. Um. I'll talk about the robot last. Pixel Four. Okay. What is this uh,
1: finger-tracking rumor? So the, uh, Project Soli, I think is what it's called. Hold on. Project Soli, it's like soil with the I and the L transposed, is this thing that they've been demoing for a while that uses r- micro radar to track your fingers above the phone, so you can make gestures above the phone, and the rumor is that it's finally going to see the light of day in Pixel Micro 4. radar? Micro radar. Like it's not infrared? It's radar. Wow radio waves. So it's a whole new technology built into a phone. A whole new technology built into a phone so you can detect
2: finger waggle. So you wouldn't use it like by holding a phone like up I didn't computer. invent this. You, I'm not the man.
1: You put it down and it's like a leap motion. Uh, Kind of. Here's a picture. the The artist illustration shows a radio with somebody making a pinching gesture in front of the radio thing. All right. Yeah, that's what I said.
0: <laughs> All right. And then second to last story, Turbo Graphics Mini. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, how about that?
1: Yeah, the, games, the, ga- the thing about this is that the games list was pretty good. Uh, it's Konami introduces a plug-and-play ter- Turbo Graphics Mini. Going to Ars Technica to get the, the list of games. I think they have different, different models for the U.S., Europe, and uh, Japan. Because it was called the PC Engine in Japan. And PC Engine Core Graphics Mini, or Core Graphics in Europe. Um, games that are confirmed for the US and European editions are R-Type New Adventure Island, Ninja Spirit, YS Book 1 and 2, Dungeon Explorer, and Alien Crush. Um, and the Japanese edition has different games, including Superstar Soldier, PG, uh, Bonk's Adventure, Castlevania Rondo of Blood, which was Dracula X on the SNES, and some other stuff. Was this the console that was really expensive back in the day? I feel like, yeah, it was it, you could get the, the games came on like cartridge those little slot those little tiny yeah. they look like credit cards kind of oh i never knew anybody who had one so i yeah. never played any of those Must games have been expensive
0: hmm. okay uh and finally uh last piece hardware dji announced uh, a new robot they make quadcopters they yeah do. Like, they make like drones like, and cam- they bought Hasselblad really yeah well, this last year they and, what? Well, they
1: they do the they do all the gimbals the, gimbals, the yeah.
0: osmo yeah you know the camera Hasselblad the one that went to the moon yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, trying German cameras. Yeah, a large format camera company. Yeah. Uh, well, they they bought them last year. So I can not get a large format drone now. No. Oh, that'd not be yet. cool, like a big five by four plate. But this is not a drone. A drone. Oh. It's an
0: RC robot. Wait, it's a. Um, That's a
1: drone. I,
0: I guess so, and it can it can drive itself. Does it fly? It does not fly. How does it? Is it a submarine? Nope. it's is just it for an ATV. Kinda. Of, okay. Four wheels, and um, it's it's a little bit of a, like a, like a tank. Okay. And it's made for uh, educational programming purposes and also to have fun, Um, but inspired by the Robo... uh, Sorry, the uh, uh, RoboMasters competition they have over in China Mm. that DJI has sponsored and and created. So if you haven't seen I think The Verge has a a clip from 2016 where they went to document the RoboMasters competition. And it's basically like Their version of BattleBots or First Robotics, you know, students come together, build their robots, and they compete in almost like a real-time strategy game. Okay. The robots are controlled via FPV. Uh, They fire at each other. There's cooldowns, but they collect points, and they capture places. There's huge arenas uh, they play in. It's like a super cool competition for getting people interested in making robots uh, that are non-destructive. Okay. And then... Uh, this is an off-the-shelf kit to build your own robot that you can pilot w- via FPV over an app or a, a controller. Can wear yourself. goggles? Cannot wear goggles, and there is no HDMI output. Okay. So, But there is a control via an app or PC control. Uh, you plug into the controller into a keyboard mouse, uh, as well as um, uh, I think you can plug it over USB on the computer as well and do the programming there. Um, but
2: it, but it, well, that's the thing, is, is like, the kit comes, I'm not sure how much modification you can do to the actual build, but you
0: can program it. Yes. So they have this whole lab section where they have, either if you want to go with Python, you can actually, like, script out code line by line, uh, or they have their scratch uh, programming, which is via blocks, yeah. which is super visual and easy to understand, drag and drop. It does require, like, just a little bit of, Thinking and mental gymnastics about like your Good. variables and your parameters, yeah. and and it, it harkens back to the day. Remember the turtle game that we used to play as, as kids, the programming game, like move yeah. the turtle. It's like that, but like know, much Turtles more advanced, yeah. Today,
1: yeah. So, the could, kids could you play lucky. a real life version of Into the Breach with this? It sounds like you could. What what what's, what would be Into the, Into the Breach is the, the, the grid based, uh, turn based strategy game. It's kind of like Advanced Wars, but l- a very limited grid. Yeah, 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 you could totally do that. I guess you could, y- yeah. But what are you programming? Because
2: you can f- you can drive it completely real time.
0: Yes. So what what does the programming give you? The program gives you either um, specific actions. Like you have a shortcut when you're driving it to say, I want to execute this maneuver, like
2: like strafe circle.
0: Or something exactly. Like? I want to do a, a 180 spin and fire in that direction. Gotcha. Or I want to do, like, like execute my Riker maneuver, Picard maneuver, right? Like, like ex- and then you like. Oh, which one's the Riker maneuver? They had never actually named it, but I think it was in the best of both worlds. <coughs> Excuse me. When he
1: turns the sensor dish into a giant laser beam? I tight...
0: Double sneeze.
1: Um, you, can, you got me. I, I got, got coming okay. through. I might get
0: nosebleed, actually, from this because the room is so hot and dry. I'm <laughs> okay. <Yeah. And> dry.
1: <laughs> it's kind of getting duded in here, too. Um,
2: <laughs> Excuse <laughs> or me. Or like this, enormous... this might
0: be a first for the podcast because if I get nosebleed, I'm going to run out of the room. <laughs> There's a slightly used tissue over here that Jeremy's oh, only God. used this a little bit. Fresh. This is fresh. Okay. Those okay. are used. Thank you. Um, So you can command maneuvers, right? You can design a whole sequence of of actions that control the gimbal for the blaster, the wheels, the speed. Like this whole thing you can execute. Or you can do AI um, maneuvers. So you can have – because there are sensors on board. There's a camera sensor. the camera, right, from the front. And then there are pressure sensors uh, on four body armor plates as well as the blaster. So you can have sequences where if you – Detect, you get hit by um one you, you know, a pressure plate. Gets so it's an armed over robot a robot that has AI. Well, I haven't even talked about the armoring part yet. But like, if, if one of the plates gets hit and it crosses a pressure threshold, yeah. then execute a maneuver where you spin around, aim back at that, and, and, and you can do make a, a snap fire. Shot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I do that uh, all or, the time. Or an evasion.
2: Oh, you're yeah. saying so it could respond faster than
0: you could? Yes. And, and move oh. faster because you could execute these commands yeah. and change speeds and like. It's That's speeds, the rules. You can't right? macro. You can create macros, yeah. es- essentially. Uh, the other thing is um, there's computer vision. So you can recognize people or gestures so, and, and lights. Oh, so that seems fine. So the lights around the um, the robot, <laughs> you can change the colors. So you can say if you recognize like the color of the enemy light, then follow that thing or aim toward that.
1: Or, what if the enemy changes their light when somebody's following them? I, I think in think the think in the specific it. like
0: competition battle mode, okay. you can lock to whatever team you You have you're an on. IFF. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they're made to be run with the other other robots, so you can do races. There are QR code markers that they give you that you can like place around your rooms. So you can design your own Mario Kart track. They're really fast, and that's the thing. Like they're using the same brushless motors that DJI has put onto their drones. Holy crap! Speak, to controls. drive wheels? Just drive wheels, and so-, so they are incredibly responsive and incredibly fast, and they move wow. like magic because they have omnidirectional. Um, Mechanum wheels,
1: which is the, uh, if you don't know what those are, those are the wheels that have like diagonal rollers on yeah. them, yeah. and you put the different canted rollers on each side so that you can go like you you can dr- you can control like a tank, but you can also skate sideways. By rolling the wheels in the right direction. So the wheels don't the actually, they, they don't that? pivot, right? They don't, they don't, yeah.
0: and that saves some, um, there's some mechanical simplicity there. Because there's not like a left turn or a right turn.
1: They just change the speed on, on the four wheels. But each wheel has an independent motor, presumably, yes, because of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, interesting. The mechanical wheels are really cool.
2: I want to, I don't understand how they work. I, I want to understand that better.
0: And, uh, you know, battery life's about an hour. Uh, we've been using one for almost a week now. And we have a video on the site about it. But we're going to. Do some more with it because I want to take this out to a big, like, track and field. And, and, uh, dirt, not good. Sand, not good. I'll get stuck in these, these wheels okay. and, the, and the rollers. Um, so really for hard services, basketball courts. Can we take it out on the street and have a battle? Myself. I don't want to get run by a car.
1: Can we take it out on the playground next door and have, run run a battle? We'll find a place. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that's it for technology news. Oh, oh before we move on, I'm gonna be time to set up the, uh, the next segment. I do want to oh. thank the, other sponsor for this podcast that makes this episode possible and that's netgear you can upgrade your smartphone tv and laptop but when's the last time you upgraded your home wi-fi the future of wi-fi is here and it's time to welcome wi-fi 6 the netgear nighthawk wi-fi 6 router gives you ultra fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home and it's the biggest revolution in wi-fi ever you get four times the capacity compared to today's wi-fi which means you can connect to more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting wi-fi speed or reliability the devices of today and tomorrow demand more. Your old Wi-Fi is timing out, and you need the latest in high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. If you stream your shows and services like Netflix or Hulu, the newest line of high-performance routers from Netgear will eliminate buffering and let you stream smoothly even in 4k it's like giving your streaming the VIP treatment and if you game online lag can be a thing of the past turn your Wi-Fi up to six with a nighthawk wi-Fi 6 router check it out today at netgear.com wi-fi 6 again that's netgear.com wi-fi and the number six the VR minute virtual reality this week Okay. All right. So much VR news. So at E3, uh, Upload VR um, did an event, uh, E3 VR, I think they called it, where a bunch of developers announced uh, titles and and, and big announcements in VR. Uh, So we're going to run through some of those pretty quickly first because not all these were shown on the show floor to get to play them. But, for example, Budget Cuts 2 was announced. From Neat Corp. But not from Neat Corp. They've partnered with another developer. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. So, but it's, you know, they're taking the, the, the design of their game. That's and awesome. Expanding it. And there's a yeah. bow and arrow now. They want, yeah, they're trying, it's much more
2: like outside of, a, of the office space. Yes.
0: No, this isn't bleeding. You're doing okay. fine. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm freaking out. I, it was bleeding yesterday. yesterday. Actually, give me, give me it because it could be bleeding.
2: You're fine. They, uh, they
0: saw I in problem. the first
2: game that people were playing very, very cautiously and they want people to. Not feel as you know scared to, r- not run and gun so much,
1: but but engage the robots. That game is best when you move move kind of
0: stealthily, but mur- it was most fun for me for yeah. for yeah. the stealth. Like yeah. I, I like the the cautious aspect of the game, but we'll see. Budget Guts Two. Uh, There's also uh, a new game from um, Cloudhead Games. Now it's not the Gallery Episode Three, and I'm sure they're oh, still butler. working on that. Uh, but it's Pistol Whip. And I am so excited. Do you have a whip game. that's a pistol or a pistol that's a no. whip? So you know there's Beat Saber, which yeah. we love. Familiar <laughs> yeah. with it. You heard of that? Yeah. Yes, I've yeah. heard of that. <laughs> One of the best selling things in VR. Minus homeless. 360 title in the world. Uh, and uh, there's also uh, Harmonix came out with a game that was, you know, another rhythm dance music Central. game. No, for VR. Um, dance Central. <laughs> uh, Autica.
1: Dance Central's out for VR too, though. Yeah. Yes,
0: but I'm talking about Autica. Okay. And Autica was uh, maybe... Not best described, but one way I would describe it is, like, as a like Beat Saber, but you use pistols, and you shoot the blocks coming at you. Have you played it? Yeah, we reviewed it on, on Projections. No, I thought it thought my pistol weapon. Oh, no, I didn't play it pistol. Okay. One. But one of the things I didn't like about Autica was I, I felt like the aim, like, the need for aim, like, the, the Space Pirate Trainer aspect of it got in the way of me getting into the music, right? And maybe I wanted mm. something that required
1: less precision and more of, like, a super hot
0: and, and Beat Saber.
1: So... So pistol whip is you shooting Yosemite Sam style into the air in time to the music? No. Have you Pist- seen the trailer? No. It's worth watching. It's, it's really
0: cool looking. It's kinda of like super hot plus Pete
2: Saber. Yeah, that's very convenient <laughs> yeah, that you yeah, said that.
0: I know. And then it's, it's like everything I kinda of wanted. But um on Rails, you're going through action sequences and you have these you know, the targets oh it's up. Oh you got to, you gotta got turn sorry, down the music. Sorry, well, you gotta turn sorry, down sorry, the music. Sorry, I'm muted. But you're on Rails and you're basically oh. you're shooting enemies to the To the beat, because it is a music rhythm game, but you're feel this feels more like the John Wick game that I explicitly talked about um but you're when also dodging. they, they compared to a bullet hell game just as much as any other yeah. genre and so wh-
2: but what I'm curious about is how is it a, mu- a rhythm action game because I bet you get the most score
1: when you yeah. fire on the beat fire on the beat, yeah, this is like the club you do- you double remember, tap on the beat? That Sega game, the club. Where you had to murder people on the loops. like you had to, It was like an arcade game where you had to go through the on the rails and kill people. It wasn't mm. that called The Club? I don't know. Um, it's like that, but Crypto to the Nectar This This is very much a Crypto the Nectar Dancer type inspired game. Um, in that you have to do the murdering actions on the beat or else it doesn't count. Probably. And I, I like that. You know,
0: maybe like, I feel like the aiming aspect is probably the least... Important part of this game to me. I, I I don't want to struggle. I don't want to think about aiming as much as I want to think about timing Well, they said that you don't even have time to think about making headshots exactly You just want to get the timing right and you want to feel like the music you want to feel into the groove uh-huh. You know you're John wick with airpods on
2: I Still I think, don't. I think he wear AirPods and play it three would mess up his Ryan Reynolds his situational Ryan Reynolds play
0: three put those airpods Put those uh, headphones on before you kill yeah. vampires. Yeah,
2: yeah, Huh. I still don't understand the rhythm um, aspect, so I'll be very. Maybe curious that's just to play
0: it. Uh, it could be s- just for scoring, right? I don't know. I, uh, the uh, graphics are awesome looking. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's coming in from Cloudhead. Uh, the other announcements um, are ports to Quest, very exciting. Onboard's coming to Quest.
1: I echo. I, Go ahead. I forgot about the thing I was most excited about in the Switch conference, which was Cadence of High Rules coming out very soon. I don't know what that is. Kids of Hyrule is the Crypt of the Necrodancer people making a Zelda game with Zelda music. Oh. And Zelda Dungeons. Okay. Yes. It's very good.
0: Danny is doing the music. It's awesome. I'll insert that back into the yeah, just go content of Direct. Just cut, cut, cut <laughs> that back in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Echo Arena coming to Quest from Ready at Dawn. That's good news. Hell yeah. And Arizona Sunshine coming to Quest
1: Ooh, from Vertigo Games. Those guys are great.
0: Yeah. I'm super excited for all, all three of those things. What did you get to play Echo Arena? I did not get Were to play. Were they it
2: showing that at E3? No.
0: Okay. At least not not for me. Were you able to ask anybody questions about it? Uh not really. Because I did get to play Lone Echo 2. So the things I did play Lone Echo 2. Jeremy's less excited now.
2: You don't like Lone Echo? <sighs> no, no, no. I love Lone Echo, but I'm much more curious about Echo Arena on Quest. I want to know if it's cross p- uh play. I want to know if you'll be able to play yeah. against PC players. I want to know if it's cross uh buy, so that if you already have it on right. Rift. What about Echo Combat? It Does it come with that? It, it doesn't sound like it is, because they would have said. Echo games, they would be yeah. like this. So they're presumably going to roll out Echo Arena first and then Echo Combat. Later I hope so. you make it That'd work. That'd be great. Yeah. TBD, I think, is probably. I'm excited a lot about of playing that stuff. in the backyard. That sounds like it'd be really fun. And I want to know when, because yeah. Rue said soon. What does that mean?
0: Soon means a lot of things. June? Soon? We're in yeah. June already. I don't
2: know. So right. uh, Lone
0: Echo 2, got to play uh, about 30 minutes of that. Looks wow. gorgeous. I think the big theme for what I did get to see and play um, at E3 from Oculus this year. Was like when you played Asgard's Wrath yep. a week ago, uh, you were impressed by like the scope and scale and like the production value, right? True. And, and we were like, you know, with a lot of people fearing that because of the success of Quest, and they've announced what five million uh, dollars made in, in game sales yeah. on the Quest, which you know you can—that's a relative number. Uh, but we, on the PC side, we don't want to see PC VR go away or be secondary to mobile VR necessarily. At least I don't want to see it. I think there's still a great place for PC VR and games like Asgard's Wrath, games like Stormland are great examples of high budget, high quality PC VR games.
1: Well, there's an argument for also doing your development with an eye toward Quest but building on PC where it's a little bit less expensive. You don't have gatekeepers which is nice. And but even even then, I don't want them compromised.
0: I don't want them always in the back of their head thinking about designing a level or designing a game where they have to have a quest version in the wings where they can scale down number of enemies because that's well, that's
1: limiting. So for for example, like the, there's there are things that you can do on PC that would make your game never work on Quest. Like if your game is built around using a boatload of dynamic lights, it's never going to work on mobile hardware. But if you design your game in such a way that you have like one dynamic light and then you, you, you think about, you know, which lights can be turned off and replaced with world lighting and stuff like that, then that makes it possible to, to bring it to the mobile platforms. Or and your the art and style or if it's, you know. More, exactly. Yeah. And, and presumably shouldn't affect the gameplay in, yeah. in a
0: significant way. Uh, but both Lone Echo 2 and I did get to play Vertical Games after the fall, which is their next zombie shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those look amazing visually Who, who's the vertigo games uh, they did arizona sunshine oh, okay and feel like high budget pc desktop vr games All right, how cool. long has that been in the works do you know did they, uh, they didn't say so lone echo 2 i won't spoil but it is you know continuation of the first story uh, a lot of pu- a little more puzzle based in terms of like you know moving from room to room uh in, in the section i played uh there are some kind of enemies that you just are less. You don't shoot them, but you just going to avoid them and have to trap them. Okay. Um, so that's where the, the puzzles come in. Uh, still, you have a lot of great engagement between you and Liv, the human character, uh, the NPC. Um, and the, the one thing that struck me because most people played Lone Echo and then started playing Echo Combat, and Echo Arena, is if you're in your mind, the locomotion is is the Echo Combat, and Echo Arena, right? Echo VR essentially. Uh, this is much slower. This is still back to the Lone Echo pace oh, okay. of zero g moving so you don't have you know the burst of speed and the mid-air freezes you're grabbing things you're methodically looking around exploring the space um, which took me like a few minutes to get back used to
1: okay
0: um after the fall zombie game now arizona sunshine love that game love again like budget cuts love how slow methodical you have to be in that game because you're conserving bullets the zombies you don't want to get overwhelmed you're playing with co-op this is co-op as well uh, they're calling it an MMO almost because there will be like rec room a big hub where po- tons of people can can meet up in their post apocalyptic LA and then friends teams of 4 can go start instances oh, and go on, awesome. go on going raids way more arcade. Oh. Way more. Then
1: Arizona Sunshine even? Yes.
0: Feels a little bit like left for dead.
1: I mean like, I thought Arizona those... Sunshine felt like left for dead too. Oh,
0: no, Arizona Sunshine you had to be very careful. Get those headshots.
1: I mean I guess you didn't have that much ammo usually. You didn't have a lot of ammo. Yeah.
0: Uh, this very very fast-paced. The zombies are fast-paced. The firing is fast-paced. The, the physics are a little cartoonish in terms of, like, you have an Uzi in your spring and the zombies are f- getting knocked back by the bullets. Uh, there are bigger zombies, you know, almost like tank-like zombies, like from
1: Left for Dead. Did you play this on PC or Quest? PC. PC. Yeah.
0: How yeah. was locomotion? Um, smooth locomotion. You can do teleport, okay. but I was, you know, walking around 360. Pom- like Arizona Sunshine, I imagine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Picking up items. Uh, you know, do you have to, like, loot?
1: loot trunks and stuff a lot no nope, no really? nope. okay. it's
0: very almost like I, I i i uh put it akin to like a duke Nukem where you shoot an enemy and they explode in ammo okay and then you just, just kind of run over run over and it, it and it kind of just okay. magnetizes it to you okay that's cool very fun uh and then i also play that coming out uh did they say they did not i think it's next year okay. but I, I, I don't quote me on that right. but not, not anytime soon um so it like, sounds like there's a lot of work to do on that okay uh beat saber 360 yeah, yay or nay on that one, Norm. Yay. Yay? Easy. That yay. Sounds
2: awesome. So, is it really 360? Because the short video clip that hit the web looked more like Pete Saber 90 degrees. When I would call, say right now 180. Is it full 180? Like over there and then over there? Yes. All right, cool. Is now, it quest
0: I, only or is it going to be on everything? It's going to be on everything. Okay. I think the reason it's not full 360, and, and they can, you know, maybe 360 is when the difficulty goes up. I played normal difficulty on uh, one of the Imagine Dragons songs, The Believer. And it was mostly around 180. Yeah. Um, of course, it's a little bit difficult to tell when you're in game. So are there different How tracks coming you? down to yeah. it? Yes. So uh, I call them rails, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in Beat Saber, you think of a single rail down the center. And the question is, is it going to be like discrete? You know, think of it hours of a clock every five minutes. Is it going to be a different rail? Uh-huh. That you come down. They can be in any angle. Huh. They can come down any angle, but not vertically. They don't tilt up. They're not coming at you from, you're yeah. not looking up. They're oh, still so they're coming. all horizontal. They're all on, on the horizon. Plane. Okay. But can be in any angle. And there is a new element now where there is a, an arrow kind of like, like it's in the distance that gives you almost an indication of where the next rail is coming from. Oh. And so it telegraphs where you kind of should be looking at. And in their level design, they said that they do have to lead people. You know, they'll, they'll give you your drum, you know, your beat move where you have like a sequence of cubes that go from left to right. So you that your next big sequence is over on the left side or yeah, on the uh, right side. They don't want to be mean. They don't want to be mean, but they come at you fast and they do come at you in multiple rails at the same time. And so your hands, as opposed to being in front of you, are like spread left and right. And you are moving your body. So
1: it's like more. Last Jedi throne, throne room fight, not Luke versus uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just a million bad guys around. Uh, that sounds pretty good. My big
0: takeaway was, one, it requires a lot more effort in, in level design. So they did say that their goal is to make every level, with it, if they can do it, have both a linear, forward-looking rail only, and a 360 option, which means they're basically doubling the amount of work at least. Are they, they going to do like add 360 to the old songs? So? They didn't say that yet. This is still kind of like an experiment. It will. But it's committed as a feature. Like
1: it's it seemed come. like they were testing the water with, with like the letting people play the city three. From what their Twitter tweets yeah. said,
2: how cool would it be to be three sixty full three sixty quest and be, do like drum fills that go in a full circle? How cool would it be to do multiplayer back to back with someone?
0: What? <laughs> no, you can't. That is not oh. a real feature. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. When is this coming out? That's what not that they
1: uh, they, they, they didn't have so, an exact okay. date. Yeah. But like this year, you think? Or? Yeah, I think this okay. year.
0: I, I think absolutely this year. I mean, this is a, <laughs> it's a five-person development team.
1: People went really bonkers for this. Yeah, and they've sold a bazillion copies this of that five game. five people working on this. They launched their new song
0: pack with Imagine Dragons from their hotel room yeah. at E3. <laughs> so it's, it's a, they only have so many resources, but you know we love this game. We know people are very passionate about Beat Saber. One of the questions I asked them, uh, we didn't do a formal interview on camera, but one of the things I said, is when, In terms of the creative direction, are they pursuing features that make it harder for and more fun for people who love the high score aspect and want scoring, or are they trying to introduce features to get people more casual players more feel more like they're into the music? More of a badass, yeah, yeah, because those things don't necessarily they're counter, not always, but they can be they can be counter. And I think for them, their their mantra is they want people to be you know spend twenty minutes in this every day.
1: You know, okay. spend, spend some time in it and build it into their routine. Are they going to do a officially fun? licensed Beat Saber uh, wrist weights for people who are... I, you I see... Do, you can do your own. Okay.
2: Yeah. Hey, so you mentioned the DLC. It, does that mean that they have um, some sort of DLC thing on the store now? Because I didn't think they all had that and that games had to develop their own DLC backend
1: On Oculus Store? On Oculus Store, yeah. Uh, Oculus Store has DLC stuff now. That's they my do. Understanding. I don't know if they have it on Quest yet, but I think okay. they have it on the main store. Gotcha.
0: Uh, so, that was just the one song I played there. We're
1: going to try to get some capture from them. Um, is, is capturing gonna, from the quest any easier yet, or not yeah, really? Yeah. I
0: mean, you have to go to the home menu, press record, and then it saves a clip on, oh, on, on, the device. on the device. Okay, Or, you know, share it on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I played was a Wolfenstein Cyberpilot, which is, feels like, you know, it's, it looks great. It's a mech game. You're holding, you know, two Vive controllers. Is it one of those
1: mechs that they you have in Wolfenstein 2, I guess? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: That's fun. T- you know, two-stick control, essentially, touchpad and aim, two aims. You know, it's, it's kind of like the type of arcade shooter you'd go to an arcade to play 15 years ago. Except okay. now you
1: can play in your home. seems like a, a perfect launch for the for the Knuckles controllers with y- the sticks.
0: You know, uh, you get exhausted because you're not actually holding on to oh, right. big right, no, You're not so resting we, your arm. Is
1: there, are, do you play it sitting down, usually? I play it sitting down. Okay. yeah. So you have uh, armrests in your put chair, my, probably. Put your, your,
0: your arms on your armrest or put it on your knees and just kind of use your wrist to, to aim the rockets and the bullets yeah. uh other news a uh, rec room has a, a new feature for for mobile disc they, golf for quest for quest yeah they
2: they release only for quest well no 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 oh. it, they're releasing slowly by slowly. oh so they don't flood
1: that new market with
2: it's not that so much as they got to get it working oh, okay so last week they released the first quest which was the first quest that they made which was the golden trophy. one yeah which was yeah, it was the one that sort of introduced yeah. their whole oh, concept, concept of it's made by a you know, a theater department. Yeah. And it's it's fine, it's great. And so that's out now and this week they released the first disc golf level, which is the lake level.
1: Oh nice. Okay.
2: Yeah. I actually I really like the disc golf in the Rec Room.
0: It so was a uh, very relaxing for us to just hang yeah, out in there and, and good and chat. Good experience. Yeah. Uh
2: Oculus Go has been cut in price by Can't imagine why. Thirty bucks. So the yeah, it's uh, both the Thirty-two and sixty-four gigabyte versions, or is it sixteen and
0: thirty-two?
1: Mean, that seems like a product that will be end
0: of life soon. If I'm,
1: that I was our big imagine. question, right?
0: Like, you know, now that Quest is out, like, well, they are is, adding three off mode to Quest. So, like, what
2: right you mean now, off mode. No, I mean three. If you are in a dark room in Quest, it doesn't work. Like, you can't do anything. Oh, right. So that's the one thing the Go has going for it is that you can still use it for media consumption in a dark room. Oh,
1: so right now it doesn't just fall back to IMU mode nope. and it, it just turns it just goes black. But oh. but Carmack said it's coming.
2: Okay. So yeah, once that's in there, it will be fully, you know, basically knocking this Go in the dark.
0: Yeah, it will be obsolete the the Go, yeah. except for the price. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. Let's talk about virtual desktop. Yeah. This is the the big thing, and I know people have been uh, asking us to to chime in on it. Uh, but let's set up exactly what happened. So it sounds like Virtual Desktop, uh, which is an app for VR. Uh, it was op- app, for VR, an app for a long desktop time. Guy's uh, been developing it for years. Uh, and then it was one of the launch titles for Oculus Quest, uh, with new, new features being added regularly, a way to stream your desktop to your headset. Yeah, uh, we recommended it in our absolutely recommended yeah. apps. Um recommended apps. And it does something, things that some things like big screen doesn't do, um, including now you can play games, right? So you can launch a full screen game on your desktop and emulate the Well you've
2: always, you were always able to launch regular desktop games so you could connect a gamepad to your headset that would get piped over your network and become a gamepad on your PC right. wow, and really? you'd be able to play, cool. play PC games you know
1: on your virtual Steam Link for VR monitor. That beats the shit out of the thing that I yeah okay that sounds Steam good. Steam Link for VR. Yeah. Totally
2: yeah. definitely Steam Link but not just Steam the entire a- anything Windows anything on your you desktop could play, right? you can play
0: a flash game you can yeah. play a web browser game. Right. Uh, whatever, and and then last week the developers snuck a feature into the latest build, and this was a feature that was not advertised, but people quickly discovered it. And what it allowed for you to do is, if you launch Steam VR via Virtual Desktop, the video, the stereo video for Steam VR would get piped through, and you would be in Steam VR. And he installed the drivers so that Steam VR would see the remote connection. Oh, because virtual desktop has a desktop client in order to work, and okay. they would they, yeah it would you would see them as track controllers and a track space, so you can actually draw a chaperone. Wow, you can actually play Steam VR games streamed, and both Jeremy, we both we both did this. Yep, I would say that. Did, the, how did it work? I mean, and there and and to be clear, there are alternate ways people can sideload apps right now yeah, yeah. to to get Steam VR working. On Quest, ALVR is a popular app, but they, but they yeah. all require side loading. Yes. This this was the first
1: really oh, easy method, yeah.
0: super easy. You just buy a virtual desktop, and and from a lot of people, how they bought how virtual desktop they this. So it really depends on your connection. I actually had to move my router to the to the like, room, to, the room yeah. to get it because on a five G connection, maxed out latency, I'd say is still noticeable, but it's comfortable. Like
1: I. Like you didn't feel mo- you get well, motion sick. I
0: did not get
2: motion sick. It, Jeremy, it is barely noticeable. Like honestly, when I first saw how quickly the hands reacted, yeah. I was just amazed because like I I do a little bit of video, I and I know, yeah. and I think of video encoding and decoding as taking time, and it really is. But well, no, really now it's all hardware accelerated. So to the max. responsive, yeah. it's amazing. It's black magic. Yeah, but. It was. It turned out like I. I was pleas- pleasantly surprised, and I thought, well, this is going to be great. And I tried playing a few games. I played three games over the course of only about twenty minutes, and I ended up feeling motion sickness because I don't think okay. that the latency is good enough for me for the head movement to actually got it. You know, okay, yeah, it and what was it, was it, six maybe
0: milliseconds? Is it what d- said. D- depends yeah. on what game, right? Yeah. Like for me, I was never going to play Beat Saber or play Space Pressure, not just because those games are already on Quest but I'm going to choose what type of VR game that isn't on Quest to play, like Trover Saves the Universe. Yeah. That's a great sitting down. You can move your head as fast as you want, more of like a sitting VR experience yeah. that's not available. Uh, and so th- it was a great option. The fact that it works seamlessly, now there were some like yeah. kinks of like how do you set up your chaperone, and it was kind of trippy because you had to set up your chaperone within the Guardian of Quest. And some people went as far... To get Oculus desktop games working on this, they would run Revive, and so you're creating within <laughs> your Quest oh, Guardian man. a SteamVR chaperone, and then, and then Revive Oculus, a guardian. Oculus man, guardian. My room's not big enough for that. Oof. But theoretically, even stacking those layers on top, you would have the same amount of latency as whatever your router yeah. can provide, yeah.
1: your local network. So, so how long did it take before Oculus pulled the plug on this? Like less than a week.
0: Okay. So the the What's been reported now from the developer of Virtual Desktop is uh-huh. Oculus has asked them to remove this feature, um, and he's going to comply. He's going to remove it, and people are are very, very upset about it. He's going to release
2: it as a side quest in- installable, so it'll be just like ALVR and the other options. He
0: said maybe, I think. No, no, he's going to do it. Oh yes, he okay. he's absolutely going to do it, and 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 you should. He says, "I will
2: look into providing a separate
0: APK with the VR streaming functionality enabled." Now, the the arguments that people have about why they're angry about this is they think it stifles innovation, and it's sti- they think it stifles and they think it's Oculus acting against their, their own interests because they think it's going to hurt Quest adoption because a lot of people were buying this and,
1: and buying virtual desktop and, and saw a lot of potential in this type of streaming. But if you Oculus, guys just want to help st- Oculus, yeah, I mean and, that's and, and, Oculus. Is you're buying a closed platform, you get what you want, you get what you pay for.
0: I will say it is Ocul- 100% Oculus is prerogative to do whatever they want to their store and allow apps and have their own policies. And we've known for a while that the Quest uh, policies have been a little more restrictive. Had Mm -hmm. he found a way to do this with Oculus games
2: instead of Steam VR games, I wonder if they would have had the same response. I don't know.
0: Almost certainly. I I think the – well, I think the answer that – the reasoning they gave him sounds like that this hurts quality of experience on Quest or hurts – and I don't know if that's about latency, yeah. about people being misinformed about like what the expectation is when you're running something remotely, uh, or is it purely a, we're a closed store, We you should only be playing things that you bought in our store. In many ways, I mean, that's, what, that's what this of, is about. And, and, it's like, and, and, it's like Steam Link on the exactly, iOS. Exactly, exactly. Which or,
1: eventually... Yeah. Apple allowed through. Yep, Steam Link on but iOS. But they had to take out the store functionality. But, so you can't buy games through the iOS version of Steam Link. On the Android version of Steam Link, the store is still so there. So
0: very much like Amazon. And uh, well, Amazon on iPhone, very different. They just didn't, didn't want to pay Apple royalties. But Virtual Desktop still lets you play games on Steam, just not Steam, VR games.
1: Yes. So, so uh, Space Pirate Trainer is 15 bucks on Steam. It's 15 bucks on Oculus. So, like it's uh, not like it's not like people are buying doing I this to save money and buy the cheaper version on Steam. And I don't think the quality of experience
0: is good enough. To Jeremy's point about like feeling a little nauseous, that that people should be playing if they could play it on Quest, they should be buying I, it elsewhere.
1: I mean, I think that's the argument. Like the the here's the thing: presumably, if Oculus could do this and let you play PC games on the Quest through over Wi Fi. They would have done that with the Oculus Store stuff because there's more titles on the Oculus Store. And that, that way, you're. It could also be a tech problem they haven't solved yet. Right. Or that's what not, I'm they don't
0: feel like yeah. they're ready to announce yet because they don't feel like.
2: Well, on this point, let me say this. Somebody tweeted days ago, I just played Echo Arena on my P- on my PC's GPO using Oculus Quest, presumably using ALVR, or possibly, yeah. like you said.
1: Um, and Carmack replied, Yes, it can get much better. Mm. So they're working on it. I mean, yeah. I mean it wouldn't surprise me if their long-term vision for desktop vr is S- wi-fi mediated standalone vr as opposed to a tp cast style as opposed to like the, look Five- having it- used that Vive wireless kit for a long time it is awesome right it is really good the results are good it works great with my Vive pro but putting a, a pci express card in a pci express slot and then running an antenna that goes up and hangs off the top of the monitor is not a solution for everyone and and it makes something that is already too fiddly even fiddlier. In that in that you have to launch the Vive Wireless Client before you launch Steam. Like, you have to get the order of operations right in a way that I haven't had to with VR since the Vive pre, probably. For the people who are mad about it, why is it worse off?
0: <coughs> What's so bad about sideloading?
1: There's nothing wrong with sideloading. Well,
0: you and I hadn't tried LVR, right? It's just an extra, like pain in the butt so is it a genuine genuine concern that by removing by removing the ease of use for this because it's not for them certainly they can sideload right if they're invested in this they can sideload this and run ALVR or or virtual desktop yeah so it's a concern that it's going to hurt uh, potential it's, adopters of quest because like like they, they that people won't like people won't be able to try this awesome thing it's people it's hey or is it a worry about the future I mean, because it, the closed platform is closed platform. Like it, Oculus has made it very clear yeah. this, is, this is a walled garden.
1: But, but I mean, here's the thing. It isn't, that cl- it isn't closed platform in the same way that iOS is because you have to go through a whole obscure process to jailbreak an iOS phone. With this, you just check a box in the Oculus app that says, hey, I want to sideload some shit, which is, which is a much simpler endeavor. But, I, I don't see any problem with sideloading. I think, it's, I think it was very generous of Oculus to take their closed piece of hardware on their closed platform and allow people to sideload apps. Without and it, any hassle
2: there's a new app. In case you don't follow this as closely as we do called SideQuest brilliantly named app that makes sideloading extremely easy. It's all GUI based and uh, Makes it yeah. much easier than it used to be which is you know you it to, used to feel like you were installing things on
0: an Android device. I would be more was, concerned yeah. if oculus start restricting uh, Apps that let you play desktop games in, in quest But I mean they, that's what they've
1: done the desktop like sixteen by nine games oh 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 I don't I mean, I think both of those things are pretty niche experiences. I can't imagine that more than more than single digit user I, like if it's even single digit percentages tried that stuff, I'd be shocked so it's really just i mean uh, they know they know what people are doing, yeah uh, absolutely and the, the, so they have two interests they have to protect the store revenue because without the store revenue, they don't keep making hardware. And but that's, if we're
0: talking about single digit, that's not it's that,
1: not going to be impactful yeah, for but, store but revenue. But it's like Adblock. 15 years ago, Adblock was a was a tenth of a percent of the people using the web, and now it's like 30%, and everybody's freaking out. Well,
2: then we're back to if they had if he had done this to allow you to play Oculus games, then maybe would they would have kept the store yeah, revenue. Maybe.
1: But you're saying they probably still would have locked it I out. think they still would have shut it down because it's a bad experience. And if I th- they could I th- do it well, then they would do it well. And I
0: think, going to your John Carmack tweet that you pulled up, my hope is that this was done because yeah. they have a better version, an official version that they're working on. That's my bright side of the situation. That will it, work with the Oculus Store. Yes, yeah. and, and and it, it sucks. It, it
1: sucks that the developer I mean, had to pull this. Um, at, at, at the same time, if they had a version I, that works I, with Oculus I, Store and they don't have cross CrossBuy, then it's a really fucked up situation too, right? Like that's a weird, like that's a weird place to be. Certainly, from that's, from that's as something a that they'll have to figure out from the store. Yeah. Store
0: that, that they'll have to figure that out. Uh, but I think that. I don't think Oculus was concerned. I don't think Oculus should have been concerned about the, the economic considerations for what Virtual Desktop was doing. I think it had I to be a quality of experience.
2: I, I, I think that they must have seen this as the beginning of something, a tip of the iceberg that they wanted to shut down immediately. But Because right now, how many people were really pl- doing this at no. all? Yeah. You know, even like the peop- number of people who own Quest is small and the number of people who are use virtual desktop is smaller than people using this feature is even smaller yeah it
0: felt like an overreaction yeah
2: yeah but they all like i i see the point about it being a different store yeah different revenue they wanted to shut that down
0: it's at the same time i also don't buy the the claim that a lot of people are saying that this this act is the the first step i mean is is it's going to destroy quest because oculus is stifling innovation
1: no nobody gives a shit at the end of the day, they're like the people. Look, this is the fundamental challenge: is that if you're, there's people that post on Reddit all the time about VR because they're really into it and stoked. People that watch shows like this, and then like this is becoming a mass market device. This is a thing that like parents and people who don't spend six hours a day reading Reddit threads and getting pissed off about what the man is doing to the platform. Yeah, but they're not doing this. Who the mass market? They're not y- using. Oh, we'll That's exactly what I'm saying. That's so what we'll those people. Say for for all this is the thing that always happens when you start with a small really engaged audience and go to a much broader audience the ultimately the small really engaged audience doesn't matter anywhere near as much as right. the, the people that are spending the money yeah. and in this case yeah. the small this is something that only affects the small yeah. engaged audience so turning it off is no there's no pan, no impact and look Oculus knows exactly how many people have used that feature right they know how many people who played virtual desktop they know how many people have probably flipped the switch I wonder. So, I wonder if they know. I wonder if they track that. I well. mean, they definitely, well, yeah. They know f- how many people use virtual desktop. For yeah, sure. if
0: they don't, then they may, like, look. And, and honestly, yeah. if this was the, re- like, this shouldn't have been the thing that got you to buy virtual desktop. Virtual desktop is awesome, and you should continue supporting it. And, you know, don't regret your purchase just because this feature is no longer there.
1: Do they do ref- refunds on Quest? Is there, like, yeah, some built-in yeah, refund you process? Yeah, you've got to have
2: used it for
0: fewer than X hours. Okay.
1: You know, and if you're going to sideload it, yeah. buy it. Yeah, of course.
0: Huh. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, that does it for no, this week's episode. No, it doesn't. Oh, no.
2: What, what? We got one more? Yes. I wanted to talk about this last week, and I forgot. But it's more negative news. Oh, I thought I kind of built this, this is into a, I Oculus
0: don't, being critical
2: about it. We did f- not build this in. This is important. an okay. important story. So okay. To the Top is, yeah. a, is an app that is a game that was on Rift, and it's on Steam, and it, it's on PSVR. And it came out a week and a half ago that they were denied by the Oculus Quest store. Uh, to the top is, is a indie game I think there's two developers on this app and you know and it looks like it, and I think that's part of the problem uh that they the that problem they 're running into yeah um but it it's if it's a game that innovated with locomotion and it innovated in a way that I really personally like, and there's other games like it um that I think are going to be impacted by this same policy but so when quest before quest came out, they said that they're Uh, their rules about what apps would be permitted to be on the store would be more restrictive than they'd been on other platforms. And so I was wondering, like, where would that line be drawn? And it appears that it's drawn at to the top, uh, which it was good enough for PlayStation VR. You would have thought maybe they'd have a chance, and I'm sure the developers thought the same because they finished development for Quest, and it's ready to go, and, like, they have 68 people playing it. They can allow 100 people to play it based on their own, like, you know internal uh, build In the, on the server on the store yeah okay. so they got people playing it and it's per- apparently playing great but Oculus said no they said that it looked like a tech demo and that it wouldn't be permitted on the store so they denied it like an app review phase yes okay. so it
0: wasn't at the pitch phase
2: no and so uh that was a blow to the developers they uh were planning to announce release and then they got this you know this notification; they wouldn't be uh, even allowed on the store, and it, it was came as a huge blow. And it's disappointing. I mean, this is. A, yeah. I I feel like the store needs a space for this, and I know that on the on the Rift store they have it. They have like the it's not Project Greenlight, but this is early access. It's yeah. early access, and they they tend to mark those games as such.
1: They called them experimental for a while.
2: And I would I the Quest store eventually is going to need that, and if Oculus wants to go through a phase where they're very very careful about what apps are on there so that they develop a reputation i understand that but eventually it's going to need a space for more independent games yeah. that don't have the budget to create a, a layer of polish but they have great locomotion or innovations or gameplay that people clearly enjoy because these games have a following and i say these games because when this was announced um the developer of Climy said, you know what, my game is ready to go as well. His game doesn't look that much different than this. And unfortunately, I think I'm just going to throw in the towel on this. I'm not even going to bother if you're not going to be admitted to the store. They're not going to let me on the store. And the developer of one of my favorite games of VR on any platform, Jet Island, said the same thing. And those are all games with similar aesthetics. And I, I feel like that is, the aesthetic value is paramount. I mean, so so to Oculus in a way. Do you think
0: this is just a time thing? Like, you know, like one year later, mm-hmm. they'll be more open. Once the store is more, more populated, that's my hope. And they have put the resources in maybe creating a experimental section because they 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 control the storefront. They control yeah. what people see. And, they can bury these things, but just let people who are passionate about them find them.
2: Exactly. Like, and I understand. Like on Rift, it's kind of muddled. Like, and they probably saw that as a, as an issue, and they. They just wanted to avoid it entirely on Quest because it's a very important platform for them. But if they want to make me agree to a, a disclaimer and switch on a whole new section manually, fine. And put those games there. Bury them. Do what you have to do. But I want to be able to, to play them and buy them. This well, is, it, it's quite a closed platform.
0: Because yeah, you, you also then open the developers complaining about, you know, why, don't, or why, not, why aren't I getting equal footing? Because then it does feel like being a second-class citizen.
1: I, I mean, look- and,
0: and then there's still a line drawn. No matter what, there is still a line drawn.
2: I don't expect Oculus to promote these games. It, I expect them to promote the games they they feel are going to earn them the most revenue, the same way that Apple does.
0: And honestly, let the market decide, right? Like, absolutely. If, if it's the, it, they should be promoting the games that sell the most, but right, like they, if if one of these games just because it looks this way ends up being the viral thing because some Twitch streamer or someone yeah. you know makes it the cool thing yeah. and, and everyone wants to buy one.
1: Everyone wins here here's the the let me I'm going to I don't necessarily believe this but I'm going to devil's advocate for the sake of the show. If Oculus looks at what happened with the Rift store right in, in terms of people had people fired that thing up for the first time and see a bunch of free stuff right free or very inexpensive stuff. Oculus is very clearly trying to sell let's say mid tier to full price games on the quest, just like they tried to do with the with the Rift, right? And like, if you if you load this up and you are like, I am going to try this. It's a buck. Let's try. It. Let's give this a try. What's the what's the like? What does that do to your per Does that make you think? Oh, this is a, just a really cheap game, or does that make me you think that? Oh, games should cost a buck or two on this thing that I just bought that is using fo- like like they're they're trying really. It seems like they're trying really hard to avoid placing consumers. In the this is like a mobile app store, and more in the this is a premium console or premium PC type gaming experience. It's like a big chip on the shoulder for. I mean, this game. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think this is a bad thing, but this game. When you look at it, I haven't played it. The assets look like they were grabbed from a, an, an asset store, so they're not. They don't look like bespoke assets. It's a lot of like. It. It looks like. I mean, frankly, it looks like kind of one of those like a Bennett Foddy kind of getting over it type vibe, but without the mishmash. Of styles that gives that game its unique style um, and and like I mean if you, again this is why I often say don't buy closed platforms because you when you get the closed platform this is what you get they're gonna say hey right. we can't put this here And you're, uh, you're saying that on the rift I remember there were a lot of games that they released at a
2: high price point that they had to reduce and maybe you're saying that's in part because there was a mishmash of price points expectations are expectations available price points that yeah. set expectations yeah And maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're trying to establish VR games on the Quest as being a premium.
1: When I look at the games that they launched with, like that, that tells you, and the prices they launched at, that tells you a lot of their expectation. It was priced like a PlayStation or an Xbox launch, thirty dollars games, twenty five dollars games. Yeah, and like even even when the Xbox 360 launched with those arcade games, and you could get Geometry Wars and Hexic and those games, and they were unbelievable. Those weren't. Those were still ten or fifteen dollars, and they were highly polished arcade games, yeah. they weren't asset store art, no doubt like even with even with novel game like I love novel game mechanics more than the next person, I, I assure you but but if they 're worried about consumer perception, they 're not going to care about novel game mechanics as much as they care about novel art in the end they don't have that luxury though because the luxuries I think they do no because they still need people to be in the
0: headset. The challenge right now isn't getting people to to buy and spend full price games on, on on quality experiences but in using the quest on a regular basis and treating it like a valuable alternative to Nintendo Switch and an mm-hmm. Xbox and and watching Twitch streams and and the only way you're going to do that a year after you know 6 months after their launch titles have been burned through and people have been doing it is
1: with the long tail of development and with indie developers, I mean, I think I think that if you want to make an argument about how this is bad, the argument is that this is going to squelch development on this platform because if I'm if I as if I as a developer, I'm saying, oh, okay, what platforms am I going to target for my next game? And there's some question that I might spend any significant amount of time and money developing this, even with a what you said it was a four man team for, for Beat Saber, or no, no, no I don't for know for this for this two two so two people. I mean, you're still minimum probably looking at twenty or thirty thousand dollars a burn a month, depending on you know what what their other expenses are. Like it's it's like that's a ton of money to to take a bet on whether they're going to let you release your game when you get to the end. On so people will continue developing for Steam first, where where you know you pay your ninety nine bucks and you get your game on the store. Yeah. Um. Versus taking the risk that Oculus may not may change their mind by the time you get get your game out.
0: Again, I'm going to try to be hopeful. And I'm. Be hopeful in that the more restrictive guidelines were more for launch uh, so that the reviews requests and so that the first initial wave of experiences and the type of experiences people were having were high quality and that they will get more lax over time. That's my hope. Too. And, and be more open as they realize that, you know, they can only be, people are only going be using this if. Feel they can get access to interesting and novel. VR and experience. if they
2: yeah. if they do come out with their own first party streaming PC VR experience to Quest, then this is almost a
0: non-issue as long as it works well. Yeah. And and, and again, the, where the line is drawn is, is a huge point of contention. Right. I, I completely agree. Where just like in iOS and even more so in VR, quality uh, like comfort is a huge thing that should be should be valued. Right. Like it's good that they have a dev relations team that is helping developers figure out how to make their games comfortable and not nausea-inducing. Uh,
1: but that shouldn't be all a DevRel team does.
0: No, no, no. Right. But I'm saying that, like, that if they're going to prioritize that as the, the the gatekeeping you know, criteria for their walled garden, uh, I'm more okay with that than just because the game doesn't look like a million bucks.
1: Yeah, I I would I mean as a as a user and a developer, I would much rather know that everything I buy from the Oculus store isn't going to make me want to throw up. I feel like having any kind of wiggle room on that has been the the one huge well, mistake yeah, that they've made. But, but these are titles that are proven. I mean, th- this is a PSVR oh, title. I, I, no, I'm, I'm just saying in general. I wish I wish sure. that people prioritized human comfort over.
2: I suppose so, but there's different degrees of that. Like the the thing about these three games, like To the Top, Climbing, and Jet Island, to me is that they all three represent locomotion mechanics that don't exist on the Quest Store yet, and right. they, they are all ones that I crave and want from VR. Yeah, and it you know it might not be for everybody and um, it, you're right i don't know how you you can't not release you a wonderful
1: took, experience look you in you, order you, to save the, the sensitive people here's what you do on the on the top right corner of the screen you have a pile of vomit <laughs> and once you click on the pile of vomit it unlocks the barf section of the store and that's that's how you know to, you need to get into the novel and judging by side.
0: what we've seen released and, and pushing for development on the the rift store all the locomotion on all the AAA games are free locomotion or bold in their locomotion at least way more so than when the rift launched a couple of years ago so again i do think at least on that front the problem will solve hopefully solve itself over time as the user base gets more acclimated
2: yeah and i, I imagine that there will be games that come out on the quest that incorporate great locomotion lo- the way
0: the, these games do eventually but
2: these are ready now yeah i
0: know yeah it, it sucks it definitely sucks for those devs. We, we feel you uh, now that does it for this episode of the Cillian Test. Will, thank you so much for sending in. Hey, of course, Being thanks for having Keisha me this week. Yeah. Um, where can people find out more about
1: what you're doing? You know, uh, especially watching your your uh, RTX streams. I'm on the Twitters at, uh, at Will Smith, but you can find streams including RTX and PUBG, and I've been playing Satisfactory a lot lately. Which is what's that? It's a it's a first person Factorio. Like, um, you kind of have to explore this world and mine resources and build a spaceship or something to get away from I, It's unclear what the end goal is yet. It's still in early access, but it's pretty rad. Um, you can find me at NotThatWillSmith on Twitch. All one word. All right.
2: Do you remember about an outro? We do. It's from Justin, a.k.a. Speed.
1: Speed. Hi oh, there, I didn't see you. That's it.
0: that yeah, because you're an especially aggressive, I, driver I, I've Jeremy. I've gone to many
2: events with Norman. I've, I've, I've noticed uh, a few times just wow. a, f- a feeling of feeling. Hey, hey things that annoy less, me less is less a section I is, feel like, is I at feel the like end of the podcast. into the
1: end already, huh? <laughs> just the knife, huh, Jeremy? Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I think was Norm's a very good too. driver. <laughs> Thank you. The car drives itself. I haven't been in your car yet. Wow.
0: Well, Thanks for offering, though.